0: looking for the ocean where we watch everything pixar ever made that's features short films tech demos and more what can we learn about movies and ourselves from one of the most financially successful and influential film studios of the 21st century i'm mark young and as always i am joined by danny vincent and with us today is bethany brown was that wacky enough for you danny
1: well, you know, I think I need to point out that we are in 2005, um, which means the next full Pixar movie we'll tackle is Cars. So I guess if we were going for Larry the Cable Guy, sure. That
2: was a- yeah, I wanted to know what the thought process behind that one was or if that just, like, vocalized out of you. I, I don't like
0: that Danny tries to explain my improvisations. They roll off the top of my head.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry that I am whatever i they're divinely I've been told i need I, I, I gotta do more no but right I gotta, I gotta keep going just no that's bad like you know that's what makes a good podcast is
0: saying well, no. well danny, but. No danny but. said that our <laughs> danny we have a new intro and but danny said it needed to be more wacky so it's
1: too serious we gotta be less serious this is a podcast mm. where we'll get serious at other points uh as as listeners might know i have I haven't broken down crying on this podcast yet, but I have come close a couple times. Is this going to be the episode,
0: you think? No, I
1: absolutely don't think. It's It's always when it's something Not that's... this one. <laughs> well, it's, it's always got to be something nostalgia, and spoiler alert for listeners, even though it's not a spoiler, because they if they listened last week, they'd know this is the first time I've watched this movie. Argo, I have no nostalgia associated with it. Uh, oh. Yeah. Any.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What were you doing instead of watching this movie? Uh,
1: I will get to it when we get to the movie, time. <laughs> because
2: I. Okay, but you better cover all eighteen years.
1: <laughs> okay, all right, all right, we'll do. <laughs> two thousand five. Uh, well, I... I was ten in two thousand five, but uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get to all that. We'll get. Uh, Bethany, I... you're here. Yes. Sorry, Mark. I what
0: am. Say <laughs> no, I was going to say exactly that, <laughs> Bethany. You're here. Welcome. We're on point today. I am here.
2: Wow. Bethany is here. <laughs> yeah.
0: How are you doing?
2: Good. I am chilly all the time. I do not like winter, and I'm ready for spring.
0: Hell yeah. Yes. Very fair.
1: It's January. We're recording this on National Holiday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, I, I don't know why I'm very emphasizing that. i was fine with <laughs> us <laughs> it not mentioning that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what are you drinking, by the way? Me? Yes. Gatorade. Water. Nice. Uh, what are you you drinking well i I just it was blue it looked like like the colored vodka you can't see it because it's in my like thingy here i'm drinking mint tea with uh cayenne pepper and honey and apple cider vinegar
1: which one of us lives in new york (laughs) sorry
3: what
0: do you what do you mean
3: <laughs> this, is just, this is just which one of us is the elite?
2: <laughs> yeah, which one of us is down here in southern Illinois drinking Gatorade out of a plastic cup?
0: No, it's commonly drinks water.
3: It it all makes water.
1: Sense. <laughs> we don't need your fancy drinks.
0: Well, you got, you had any adventures going on? And I I don't have wait, I don't really have much adventure in to wait relate what
1: before we do adventures, Bethany. Who are you? Tell the listeners who you are.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, here's the existential crisis. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I guess we're all alumni together. So I am an alumnus of our (laughs) university. I don't know. Not much to write home about. I do cosplay on the Internet a little bit. Nice. And I...
1: Uh, All right. Um, So, well, Bethany... We, we, this is the part of the show where we talk about what's been going on in our life, but we have not, or at least I have not, caught up with you since 2020. <laughs> Honestly, probably March 2020. So, I'm not asking for your whole last two years of your life. Especially because I feel like in a weird way, me being like hey, you're a really good friend of mine who I haven't talked to in three years. Let's performatively go Uh, through your life since I haven't talked to you. (laughs) I think that's weird for both of us. And that's why I'm calling myself out for that. But is there anything really, really neat or cool or exciting that you would like to just tell? You know, like it doesn't have to be recent. It can be recent. Um, but yeah, just, just go for it. Like, how are you doing? Like, you know what? I, I know I just asked that, but it's like, I want to cover my bases here so I don't sound like a total prick.
2: (laughs) So. Oh no, I gotcha. Um, well, 2020 happened. COVID came along. I got a COVID puppy and I love her so much. Um, I decided at the end of 2020 in like October. October of that year, I purchased an RV and I was gonna travel full-time and that did come into fruition uh, December of 2020 and It lasted about a year and Then I had this really crazy neighbor at the last campsite that we were at and like it was crazy because we were close to home so it all happened Mm -hmm. well as well as it could but he was crazy he started threatening us um and so like not by us but he had the cops called on him by someone else at the campsite it was just insane and like there was tracks oh and he had this giant dog too i forgot to say but there was tracks going from his campsite to our campsite and we could hear the dog in the middle of the night and we were like walking around like the outside so we were just sketched out and we left and then we found out that like two weeks later the cops had to come and escort him off of the campsite because he was like threatening other people too it was wild so I stopped traveling full time after that and
1: oh man yeah, that's the it. It. it was Ugh. wild
2: that was it yeah I stopped traveling full time and now I'm uh living that stationary life Night.
1: again well, <laughs> see I was kind of wondering and I didn't want to press you too hard because you know I haven't talked to you and I always feel like you know I feel like it's really I, I'm someone who's like always like oh I should check up on someone again. But then I'm always like, I don't really want to like just text out of the blue. Like, hi, how you go? How's it going? So, which is why I like,
2: I definitely
1: which is why like nowadays, like, so there's a coworker of mine. They left my job. Um, they're not my coworker anymore. They left my job like last March. And I definitely am sure to always text them every month. Cause it's like, I don't want to <laughs> lose this connection, but I know if I like go three months without texting them, I'm just going to totally like be like, I never want to text you again because this is weird now. Um, but the reason I asked all this is because I have been following you on Insta, you know, obviously. So I'm like, okay, I remember yeah. this. I remember, like, what was going on, and then it, and then it stopped. And, then, you know, like, I'm just curious, you know. I, we, we, we're friends, I hope. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, the way I said that just sounded a little attacking. I don't mean that. But, like, we were really good friends, and I'd like to be friends again. So it's one of those things. So.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely get it. And I, I have those moments, too, where I, like, see what people post online, and I'm like, should I ask them about this? But then I'm always like, is that weird, yeah, you exactly. know? So yeah, exactly. So, I get it. I get it.
1: It's that weird thing where, like, you yeah. become, like – because, obviously, when we're in college, we're all really close friends because we're all around each other all the time. And then
2: the – same classes, you, same town, and yeah. And then it, like,
1: shifts into this kind of – I don't want to say, like, unless you're, like, Mark – like, for Mark, for example, until I start – before I started my podcast, obviously, I didn't see Mark – all the time over discord or over chat, but I keep up with Mark cause I text him constantly. Uh, there's a lot of friends like yeah. that where I text them constantly. And since I text them every day, I, I never had the, fe- not the fear, but like the potentialness of it like shifting from like an actual friendship to like the parasocial relationship that inherently comes with like, you know, you follow critics on Twitter and you're like, oh yeah, I definitely know this guy's opinions, but it's like, well, but I don't cause I've never met oh, this guy man. before in my life. Um, yeah. I,
0: I have never heard it's it put that way as a parasocial relationship when you like have that s- like social media connection with someone you used to be friends with. I don't like that. But it's it's that you would accurate. It's like, oh, it's become a parasocial relationship. But I know what you mean. I feel
1: like yeah. I, I like I feel like that in a way that is what. And it's not just you, Bethany. There are other people from school where I feel like it has shifted to that. Because then there are other people from school I completely lost contact with.
2: Sometimes I forget that we're recording because it feels like we're just like talking and catching up. And then I see the bear down there and I'm like, the
1: "Bear, <laughs> <laughs> <The> bear <one. laughs> no, that's, yeah. um, that's how, that's what we aim for on the show. It's just really like, I've been told from our multiple listeners, all 20 of them, um, <laughs> as a joke, I keep dropping because the hope is eventually we'll blow up and people be like, Oh wow, these guys only have 20 listeners at this point. <laughs>
2: They'll like look back on it and be like, wow. Uh, Exactly.
1: (laughs) I do think it's really yeah. funny. This is just a side note: is that our Avatar two up? Is it now our mo- is that our most listened to episode or is it like second? Because we did an Avatar two like oh. non canon episode, which had so many <laughs> random listeners you don't usually no.
0: listen
1: to
3: the show. Oh. No,
0: still our most listened to episode. Because I looked like yesterday is the episode titled Suck Session." That's our best episode, though. <laughs> that is like, our uh-oh. best episode. <laughs> yeah, and it's about like Sesame Street or something. It, it's our best. Like, I,
1: uh, if anyone asks me what. <laughs> their startups episode should be i actually point to that one because i think that one's really good um i that's one of the few i cry on um that's a, or i get close, close to crying on i think it's a good episode highly recommend if you're oh, clicking this because you're a corpse Bride fan to look at our suck session episode yeah.
2: back through and listen to all of them coward do it right now
1: we'll still be here when you come. Back. <laughs>
2: And comment your favorite one.
0: <laughs> uh, like Sharon, it's actually kind of amazing Like learning how much engagement is important, because I have never really yeah. before this tried to make anything happen over social media, and it is like, man, if, if those ten people or so who your devoted fans never tell anyone, and I know some of our ten fans do, don't think I'm not talking about you, our ten fans, <laughs> but like, I, I don't know, I sort of poo-poo that part of social media but now i have this now we have this thing where it's like oh we kind of would like to get a few more people to think, hear the thing the, and the, you know the one
1: thing i will say about this show that i think is really nice and maybe maybe i'm wrong because i don't have the analytics in front of me is i do think we weirdly have been, at least from the friends who talked to me about this show we have been we get regular we have regular listeners and i think that's really interesting to me because i feel like for my marvel show I think the Snub Club, which is my other pocket, I think that we have a small base of regular youth listeners there, because we're talking about movies no one has seen um, at this point in time, yeah. really. But I think it's interesting, because for the Marvel one, it'd be like, people be like, oh, I want to see what they have to think about uh, Shang-Chi. But but then it's like, we do like four, six weeks of Loki, and our listenership is a little bit down, because not everyone's watching that show. Um, it'd be like, people come yeah. in to listen to like the mo- Or like, we did, say, Civil War, Captain America Civil War, and it's like, well, I don't really... Care to listen to a three-hour podcast about Captain America Civil War? Like, you know, it'd be very, like... Nice. We had regulars, but then we had people who would just come in. And what I found is that, like, people will come in for here. They'll be like, I want to listen to, say, the Finding Nemo episode. And <laughs> they'll listen to it and be like, all right, I will keep listening to the show. Because even if they're talking about stuff I haven't seen in years or stuff I haven't seen, um, we're pretty... We are pretty just conversational. <laughs> like, you know, we, we don't really stick to anything. And this is us... This is me being like... I like this show. The show that I produce, I think it's really good.
2: Oh, hey, as long as you like it, though. I mean, like, that's the whole point. Because as long as you guys are having a good time and you like it, everybody's going to feel that energy. And then they're going to listen to more. So, yeah. Yeah. That's
1: that's the type of thing we need is, like, I feel like also, um, I think us having, like, no structure at all is is a positive. You know what I mean? That's a lot of freedom. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Can I ask you, Bethany, about cosplaying? I I don't know if it'll come up during the episode, but that's another thing that, at least posting on Instagram, that's been, I don't know, not a recent thing at this point, but, like, that was kind of an after-school thing, wasn't it?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it actually only started at the end of October, technically with my Halloween costume from last year in 2020. Um, And then after that, I just kind of was like, Someone suggested something and I was like, well, yeah, I, I actually have like everything that would make that costume. So then I did that and then I saw a Spider-Gwen costume online and I bought that and it all just spiraled from there. Mm, you
1: love Spider-Gwen here. Oh so,
2: yeah. It's recent.
1: I actually haven't seen your I... Spider-Gwen cosplay. I should look that up after. We're right.
2: It's, it's, not, it's not finished. Oh, okay. Oh,
1: don't, don't look it up. Okay. Okay. You
3: gotta, get, you <laughs> have to get, it done, it, get it done by June, you have to get it done by June
2: i know i know i know <laughs> but i don't know what her hair looks like so i'm like trying to wait for a few more previews should, because... should we uh
1: should we book hmm. bethany way in advance for that movie when we cover it so that way uh she can be in character <laughs> it we can all like dress it. up <laughs> Yeah.
2: <laughs> we're all different uh, spider versions of ourselves.
1: Which one? Because mm. I can't... I feel like... Well, I have always said that Peter B. Parker is definitely the most seen i felt by a Spider-Man character <laughs> on the big screen. I'm like, yep, that that checks out right there. Um, but oh, I can't wait for that. We, we act, we're we so lucky we get a cover on this show because um, one of the new directors of it is the person who co-directed Soul. So it does, in fact qualify for this podcast because we cover anything a Pixar director has ever done so
2: okay Mm -hmm. yes well that'll be fun
1: but that's Mm -hmm. gonna be whenever we get to 2023 (laughs) we're in 2005 right now so it's a long way away
2: (laughs) (laughs) well we have plenty of time to work on the costume then
1: yay
0: (laughs) (laughs) um mark yeah. Has anything
1: cool happened to you recently?
0: Um. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. I rarely have big major things to put in here. But I did see something that, Um. I don't know. This is the thing that was the opera that oh, yeah, was you were directed by the Japanese actor that I told you about a few episodes ago, Danny. And I don't know. We might get into this more in a later episode. You know, Christmas happened. I got some cash, and I like to spend it on, like, I, I've really come to like love seeing operas and things like that, even though that was never really a thing that was a big part of us going to school. But I've really gotten into that, especially like weird things. So at the Japan <laughs> Society in town, there is a new piece, just an entirely new piece that was directed by a Japanese actor who wrote a lot of textbooks that I'm a fan of. And then he was in the Martin Scorsese movie Silence. Oh, yeah, that's how I, was like, I, I don't. Sorry,
1: go on. I, yeah. I couldn't remember why you told oh, me no. about him earlier. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's why. Go on.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, he's, he's this really old, like, physical actor guy. And it's cool that he's, like, gone from being this actor dude to um, directing opera. His name is Yoshi Oida. And I don't know. I, I went to it. And the opera was in English. It was commissioned by the Japan Society from the composer David Lang, who I don't know a whole lot about, but he's like one of these Pulitzer winning dudes. But I went and I saw it and it was great. It was like 70 minutes and it was a monologue about a, a guy who is like contemplating suicide. And it was written by the guy who wrote Rashomon, or the original story that is Rashomon. Um, and it's, so it's like, it's like a 70, 60, 70 minute, like solo piece really. And, but it was really cool. And at the end, the composer and Yoshi Oida were there to do a Q and A, which I was not expecting at all. And they were both like super funny and cool. And I don't know. It wasn't like, I kind of, I know a lot about him. Going in, this the who the director was, and he didn't like tell us any groundbreaking new information. It was really cool to see that he seemed like this funny, clowny, unserious guy in person. Um, but yeah, I mean that that was really cool. I'm not I'm not often like starstruck, mm-hmm. but I I think I forgot that I bought the ticket for the night that the Q and A was. And then when I found out he was there at the end and then he got to answer questions about it, I was like, oh, you have a yeah, question? that's was the really best surprise. That. Jessica question. Yeah. Uh, no, I did not. Good idea. Because it was. Well, here's no, the other Bethany, thing. Have you been to about Q&A's? <laughs> <laughs> you should never ask a question in Q&A. It's
1: so easy for you to like, I... feel really bad about it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know how you do it, man. That was the most stressful thing for me, was listening to the questions. It's really rough, they, they were all, they were actually, like, pretty all right. The thing, I don't know. I shouldn't criticize people who are, like, nervous and asking what were pretty fair questions. It was just, the whole show, I was like, whoa, I'm having such a good time. And then for the Q&A section, I was like, Ugh. This is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. Um, That's that's usually how it codes,
1: though. (laughs) Like,
3: you and Asian companies
0: are so
1: bad. (laughs) Like,
0: yeah, Um, I hate them. But yeah, so it was just a great time. And Yoshi Oida, the composer, was David Lang. The soloist was named Theo Bleckman. He's German. Nice. And the show is called "Note to a Friend." If anyone wants to like look these things up online. It was really cool. It's always, it's also always so nice to like go to something made with, made by people who are kind of outside of the mainstream and to go to a pretty packed house and see them doing their thing. Like, I don't know, sometimes you go to a really popular thing and it's like, whatever. And then you go to this thing that not a lot of people know about and it goes really well. And then you're like, ah, art is real. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Not, not major life changing, but really glad that I did it. That's cool. Awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. I have two things I
0: could talk about. What do you What do you got going on? Yeah.
1: So we I ever talk about my typical movie corner, where before I go into typical movie corner, if that is what you choose. I will say quick update: I did see Avatar two a fourth time, um, but we're getting up there. And I think I haven't I, seen it. I at think all. I'm done with it. I will say this: I, on round four, I think I think it's it's done right now. Until we get the inevitable re-release, I think I think I, I got to be over with it. I was too tired um, and normally <laughs> if I'm tired while watching a movie I like it will wake me up but in this case I was like no I'm too sleepy but I like Avatar too. we have a whole podcast about it Bethany I recommend it um okay we have an episode uh, uh yeah.
2: I'll have I to watch it first I guess the spoilers. The movie,
1: but the movie first because we spoiled the whole movie in our episode
2: <laughs> I gotta watch the yeah. movie I'm behind mm-hmm. on everything it's okay
1: there's uh, a it's it's, I mean, it's the time of year where it's okay to be behind cuz there's nothing to do in the next 2 months anyway, really.
2: It's true. Am I ever going to catch up? Probably not. Yeah. But it sounds good in theory. Yeah,
0: that's fine. <laughs> I do this for work really and, you know, so I have don't have work had... with. That's accurate. <laughs> uh-huh. um,
1: but I can do but I can do my normal movie corner or I can talk about like this epiphany I had at my job
0: this week. What do you think, Bethany? I leave it... I uh, get I'm the very curious choice.
2: about what the epiphany All right. was.
0: Yes. All right, so I have a co-worker
1: who I really, really hate. She's the oh, absolute no. worst. She's 18. She'll oh. never listen to this, hopefully. As far as I'm aware, she only thinks I still have a Marvel podcast, which is the way we're going to keep it. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, and she's on vacation this week, which is great, or last week, I guess. She was on great... Which was great. It was so relaxing. In theory. But then I started noticing that there's another co-worker of mine. Who's like 21 or 22. And she's always really loud. She can't calm down the kids. And she's... Oh, she, she... The kids like her. She's good if you let her play a game with them. so she's not good at running things. And then I had this like epiphany where I was like... Well, she's never was bad. Be- she never was. She always had all these qualities, right? She always has had these. I've always had these issues with her. I've just never noticed them because I'm focusing on this other person who annoys me way more. So now I'm like, yeah. is there always like an antagonist in my life? Am I someone who like will always pass? Because <laughs> now that my main antagonist is gone, and now I'm like, this person is so much worse when she is factually exactly the same. Because the thing is about... Because here's the thing. Is the person who wasn't here this week is someone who actively makes my job harder. Because I have to work around her. This person Uh... is just, like, a non-factor. But it's annoying anyway. So it's like, do I create this antagonist in my mind? So that way, like, I can feel... I don't want to say so I can feel superiority. Because... One, I feel like the idea of me saying fuel superiority would imply that I'm not a superior to, as a worker when I know I am. Uh, <laughs> but also, moreover,
2: I'm just hoping neither of them know that you guys have this podcast.
0: I, 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 I hope that they decide to check it out and start at episode one. And by the time they get to episode 31, they're like really what, into it and are big fans. Well,
1: what what I will as a
0: sidebar to that comment, which is accurate, is. Um, I
1: remember when we got our guest for Finding Nemo, which is a good episode, I'll say. But then I realized very quickly I could not advertise to the people I wanted to because we actively, should, we both, me and our guest, shit talk someone who I knew would immediately be like, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to listen to that. So I was like, oh shit, I can't advertise this oh, no. <laughs> this episode at least. Hopefully next time, next time when we do an episode with this group of people, Uh, I will make sure we do not shit talk anyone in the group.
3: (laughs) because um,
1: Yeah. But, is this a thing? Is this, (laughs) am I doomed to always, like, have an antagonist in my life? Uh, do I breed conflict? Do I look for conflict? Is this me blaming myself too much for disliking someone who doesn't do their job? What do you think? This is this is the part of the show where Mark comes on like I saw a really good opera. I'm like, guys, help me through therapy because I still am too lazy to get a therapist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I think we've had some pretty successful therapy content lately. I'm I'm down for it, but I don't. I mean I don't think that like I don't think that you disliking someone means that you're doomed to have an antagonist. You know? But what does it mean? I might have misunderstood it because it sounds like you've got someone. Who is the same as this other person, but you dislike them less?
1: No, no, no. So, the other person who was on vacation is bad because she's 18, acts like she knows everything, is like... She's the person who, when I played September by Earth, Wind & Fire on September 21st, and I told the kids, Hey... We're Doing a dance party today because it's International Celebrate the Song Day. She goes, Well, actually, that day is September 1st. I'm like, What 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 are you talking about? The words of the song is, Do you remember the 21st night of September? She's like, No, it is. And I was like, What do you mean? What what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Or like the time where I cracked the joke, it was like, Hey guys, you know what's one thing that rhymes with orange? And they're like, What? I said Dorange? And they're like, That's not a word. I'm like, Yeah, it is. (laughs) And I point to a Dorange. And they're like, that's not how you pronounce the orange. I'm like, that's the joke. That's the. <laughs> Whereas the other person is that's like, some
0: quality,
3: really
1: nice, but it's just like they're not like they just let the kids scream. They like, oof, you know what I mean? Like the other, the person I'm complaining about now just doesn't do anything. The other person like actively annoys the shit out of me. <laughs>
2: Well, it doesn't sound like you're, like, looking for enemies. It just kind of sounds like they suck at their job. Who doesn't? I mean, like, who who likes those people? It's true. Yeah. I don't. I don't like those people who don't do their job. It's true. I don't okay. know. I don't know. I don't think that's a Danny I problem. it's weird because, you know, you
1: think, well, it's more like, to me, it's like, you know, I looked at this week where this person who I hate was on vacation, and I was like, this is going to be a really nice relaxing week, and yet I still found a way to get stressed over my job over someone else <laughs> so it's like what is this like am i required to have like i don't know am i am i, I don't want to say like am i spoiled or like can i ever be content with dealing with dumb people at my job because that's inherently what my job is always going to attract is like like, i mean like it's a it's a it's a it's not a high up job so it's like we're always gonna have coworkers who annoy me it's just a fact
0: oh well i i think that Like it doesn't, I don't, I still don't think that you're the antagonist because I think that these people are doing things to other people that annoy you, but you are doing the only thing you can, which is having a professional relationship with them. And I think that that is all that you can do. And if you're doing that, then you are not the source of having an antagonist. I think, I think that you can, like, you can bring bad vibes into a workplace or just wherever, and then, you know create conflict out of that but it doesn't sound like the conflict is with you actually it just sounds like i do remember one sounds like these are some messed up folks on your periphery
1: i do i do remember this time this summer where i had a new co-worker who was only here this summer and um they were talking to me like in the second week they were there they were like yeah this other person um said don't trust danny He'll always throw you under the bus, and I'm like, "Well, yeah, I throw her under the bus oh because goodness. she's useless." <laughs> this is someone who did that. That person doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> she uh, very, very fun, dramatic story that I cannot get into here. Where she quit, but it was she quit because she was being asked like, "Where were you at this time?" and she refused to answer, so she just left. <laughs>
2: Oh my God, that sounds sus. What was she doing? And you'll never uh, know. I'll never, you'll know, never know. But
1: she was doing like, at that time. Bye. Like we don't want to know. Bye. Oh. <laughs> like <laughs> See ya. we won't miss you. <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really going hard on my work. I don't usually do this. I don't usually think this much chi about my job.
2: <laughs> Bleep out every other thing in that <laughs> section.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's with oh me. Um. You know, you know, you know, I've, I've never had like any beef with at all. Like when we were working together, do you remember how good it was to work with Christian Boswell, like doing fight <laughs> choreo with? <him? laughs> yeah, I love talking. I about... just think about that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, that's yeah, she'll Yeah, I wouldn't mind restarting that, but I just. <laughs> so, well, so who was going to talk next? Was it Bethany or was it um you, Mark? I forget. Oh no, I want to Bethany. Do you have any like recent shenanigans? No. No is okay. I
2: don't know. It's been pretty quiet on my end, which I'm not upset about, but... Mm.
1: Nice. I mean, that's okay. Mm. Like, it's, it's good to be all
0: quiet <laughs> on the Likewise. Western
2: Front. Yeah, I would rather it be like this than... Ad. <laughs> so, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making money, I'm paying the bills, and I'm happy about that. I'm not as stressed as I usually am. So...
1: Well, don't worry. I'll what? get you stressed later in Stay this episode. That's my, okay. that's my
2: job <laughs> I'm already panicking. That's, that's my job
1: on this show. I turn up the heat. Call me the bear. I don't watch that show. I don't know why I keep referencing the bear.
3: I
2: watched it. I should it. watch
1: it. Everyone keeps telling me I'd like it. I'm sure I would like it. It's the only three... I don't know why I haven't watched it. I'm, I'm terrible.
2: <laughs> the guy, the main guy, the one that was on Shameless, I don't know. I'm bad with names. Um... But he did awesome, and he's a great actor. But the only thing that I can think of now when I see him, it was a meme, and it was uh, saying that he was Willy Wonka's son.
3: <laughs> not Johnny Depp. No, I get what you're yeah. saying. Like, what?
2: The picture of him... let me Let me see if I can't find that, and I'll try to just hold it up here. But he looked exactly like a... <sighs> Oompa Loompa? What's that guy's name? I do Willy Wonka. The Gene actor Wilder? that... Yes, yes, yes. Thank you.
1: Oh, you know what? I could see that. I could see him being really genius. I haven't seen, like, I've only I've never watched Shameless. I haven't watched The Bear, obviously. I already said that. But, like, I I know what the guy looks like. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see it. I do think it's really funny that it's being, like, campaigned in award shows as a comedy, because everyone I know tells me it's, like, the most stressful show ever. I think it's because it's 30 minutes. I think, like, every 30-minute show is, like, campaigned as a comedy, even if it isn't, it feels like.
2: Yeah, I would not Ever say it like that it was serious it did have comedic moments but i don't know it just felt too real i gotta watch it you know how comedies are kind of campy and it's like oh yeah i mean haha that's funny and that might happen in real life but this one was like I don't know. I feel like we, it was so, he does such a good job. And all of the actors do a really amazing work of just pulling us into their world and making us forget that we're watching something that's scripted. It feels very real and like they're just catching these moments on camera kind of a thing. So I like that a lot about
1: it. I really like, and the thing that's like, I want to very be clear to you specifically, because I think... I don't know if the listeners know this or not. When I say I gotta watch it for a TV show, I don't usually say that. Normally, when I respond when someone who recommends me a TV show, i like, ah, I'll probably never watch it." But for the Bear, I actually do want to find time to watch. <laughs> like, people walk up to me like, "Oh yeah, you should definitely try Wednesday. I think you'd like it." I'm like, "No, I won't. Like, I'm not. I'm not gonna watch Wednesday. Like, sorry. <laughs> I appreciate you think I'd like it, but nope, I don't got time for that. But the Bear, I'm like, mm, I really oh, should make time either. for this." <laughs>
2: Bear, ah, so. yeah the bear i think you would yeah. like wednesday i think you should definitely pass i'm gonna my next
1: show i'm gonna start and i'll come back here next week with a take on it i've already promised mark is i'm gonna watch the last of us because much like house of the dragon where i never watched game of thrones and i thought it was fun to watch it and not have any knowledge of game of thrones i want to watch the last of us about playing any of the video game because i think oh. i want to see how that works i want to see how that goes for me mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: I don't know anything about you know, that. I never, never heard of heard that the before. Last of Us.
1: It's like a really popular video game. It's like, a, a, oh, okay. it's now an HBO show with Pedro Pascal as the lead. Oh, yeah, ah!
2: exactly. <laughs> wait, is it him and a younger girl? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: Okay, I have seen a preview for that. I'm so bad with names. That's yeah, okay.
1: I I don't know the name of anyone that show besides Pedro Pascal, and I I think Nick Offerman is Ugh. in it too, which I think is kind of funny. I like the Nick Offerman drama. Um, <laughs> Like just, just him doing drama. It's always exciting for me. Should we um, go on to our game?
0: Game time. All
1: right. Ah, game so, time. So, Bethany. this is called The Letterboxd Game, where we try to guess movies okay. based on films that Letterboxd says we might enjoy. So uh. if Letterboxd recommends Big Hero 6 and Megamind at the bottom of the page, the movie might be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right? That's like an example. Okay. Um, Okay. We start by listing five recommended movies, none of which share a director or franchise with the original movie. After each wrong guess, I give a hint to help you out. Now, the other example I have, because I always like dropping these examples when we do a movie episode, is I will tell you what corpse... Because we're never going to do Corpse Bride in this game, right? Like, it just... It would be (laughs) too... Like, whenever we used to do that, we used to allow... Like, you could guess the movie that we just did, but it just... It got too easy. It'd be like, oh, yeah, we just did Prince of Egypt. And when you said Ten Commandments, it's got to be Prince of Egypt, you know? But, like, so for Corpse Bride, it would have been, like, Nightmare Before Christmas, Frozen 2, Beauty and the Beast, Frozen, and The Grinch. None of those share a director of Corpse Bride. Yes, the Nightmare Before Christmas is not directed by Tim Burton, despite popular opinion. Opinions don't matter. Facts do. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so those would be the top five for Corpse Bride. You see what I mean?
2: I, I think so.
1: Now you have an option here. You can either play against Mark, or you can you can work together
0: with Mark. Mm. I'm bad at this game. If that influences your decision at all,
2: well, I did, I want. I feel like my gut is saying to go against Mark. Um, but you might have to correct me on the rules.
3: Okay.
0: So, no, you'll, you'll get the like rules you, you, you know you know you know what the rules are i i okay. think i think you do more than you think you do all
2: Okay. Right. well yeah maybe
0: so <laughs> i will say very specifically
1: i want to reiterate one thing that's kind of important this is something that tricks people sometimes is if it's the same director or in the same franchise those movies are removed And the way we work with that, and this is a very big hint, the way we work with that with cinematic universes like Marvel or DC is, for example, a few weeks ago we did Suicide Squad, so I removed any movie that had Batman in it, any movie that had any of the characters in Suicide Squad in it. But if, say, a Superman movie appeared, because there's no character from Superman in Suicide Squad, I could say a Superman movie. Understand? Because it's still a DC movie, but it's not a DC movie with Harley Quinn in it, for example. Okay? Okay. So I think that's a very important thing for me to specify here. Okay. Now, what I did was, and this is what I do with guests, especially guests who I know aren't as big into movies as me, is I went through my long list, because they're all movies I've seen in the last month or two, okay?
0: So okay, I went to cool. the beginning
1: of my list and I just took out the ones that are made a hundred million dollars or more at the domestic box office. So these are all movies that made Ooh. money. Like all these movies were movies people saw. And then I ordered them by popularity on Letterboxd. So we'll start with the most popular and go down to the least popular of these three. Okay? Alright. Okay. So are you ready for the first five movies of round one? And yes. you guys, and the way this works competitively is you will lock in an answer, and Mark will lock in an answer. Now you can let Mark lock his in first if you want to, but it's up to you. All right, now we're ready okay. to go. So your first five movies okay. are Thor, Ragnarok, The Avengers, Justice League, Star Wars: The
0: Force Awakens, Ant Man. <sighs> Okay, you mind if I lock in a guess? Sure. I'm going to guess it is the new James Gunn Suicide Squad.
1: Bethany, you can either say, sure, I want to guess that too, and basically throw away your chance to win, or you can guess a different movie.
0: (laughs) So my thinking with this is, like, there are a lot of superhero franchises, and they are, like, big multi-hero events, but I'm trying to think of the one that had a lot of these heroes but that weren't in the other movies. I might be totally wrong about that because of, uh, like, crossovers and things, but that's where my head is on this round.
2: I'm gonna guess that it was the first Doctor Strange movie. All right.
1: So our guesses are Doctor Strange in the James Gunn Suicide Squad movie. Now, Doctor Strange is unfortunately not even in the top 25. I'll tell you if you hit the top 25 or not. (laughs) The Suicide Squad is in the top 25. So
0: now you guys get your first hint, which is the year the movie came out, which is 2014. That's, that's, because that seems like when Avengers came out, but it can't be that. And I'm like, what other superhero movie had an impact on me in 2014 that wasn't the Avengers?
2: Okay, I'm gonna guess, I don't know what year this movie came out, but I'm gonna guess it's a hey, cast.
0: Kickass is your guess? I was going to guess Kickass. Um yeah. okay. <laughs> Well, let me, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I I guess Kickass. All right.
1: Kickass <laughs>
0: is not in the top
1: 25. So your next uh, hint no. is you'll get 5 additional movies, which gives you more superheroes to rule out if you'd like. All right. So the 5 additional movies you get are Avengers: Age of Ultron, Venom, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Man of Steel, and Green Lantern. And to recap, so I'll recap all 10 right now, just so you can be up to date. The 10 movies you had total are, and this is a movie from 2014, Thor Ragnarok, The Avengers, Justice League, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Ant-Man, Avengers Age of Ultron, Venom, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Man of Steel, and Green Lantern. Now, this is the most popular movie you will t- guess get to guess about. Keep that in Can mind. I too. ask
0: a rules question. Yes. If the Tom Holland Spider-Man appeared in Age of Ultron, does that mean the answer could possibly be a movie with the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man? Well,
1: I will answer in a roundabout way of saying, regardless of the answer to that question, there is no Spider-Man character in Avengers: Age of Ultron. <laughs> So, <laughs> Wait, what? When does he show up? He shows up... Oh, that's Civil War. Yeah. That's okay. So, so, oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's a Spider-Man movie or not, uh, but I will say that Spider-Man is not relevant to Avengers Age of Ultron.
0: Alright, I'm going to guess the second Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. So, you guess it's The Amazing remember. Spider-Man
1: 2? Okay. Yes. Bethany, do you have a guess? I will point out that one of these is not a superhero movie and that might point you in the right direction even though mm. you are in the right direction of looking for a superhero movie but one of these i listed is not a superhero movie and that might help out mm. the reason i give you that <laughs> is because the next the next hint i give you after this is kind of like i reveal it it's like one of those hints that's so easy that it kind of reveals what it is
0: and that's why i'm pushing no. it. out like, oh man i want to change mine now
2: I can't I can't think of anything, so I'm just gonna say I'm gonna side with Mark on this what one. What was Mark's guess?
0: Again, uh, Amazing well, Spider-Man Two. Don't it don't was Amazing it, Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Spider- well, I think it'll be. Well, go. Okay. Amazing
1: go. Spider-Man Two is not in the top twenty-five. So the next thing you get is the actor that has built the number that you've hit in the top twenty-five. So that means since you since all around you guys only hit one movie in the top twenty-five, which is the Suicide Squad. I will give you the second build actor. And the second big build actor of this movie is Zoe Saldana.
2: Star Trek.
0: Okay, is that your guess, Mark? No. Is it Guardians of the Galaxy?
1: First I'll answer, Raphnees as I always do, um, Star Trek is not in the top 25, but it is in fact Guardians oh. of the Galaxy. It is the first Guardians oh, of the Galaxy all right.
2: film. Oh, right. Oh, nice. Yeah. She's in so many... She's in a lot of sci-fi. She, she plays alien stuff a lot yeah um
0: she is the third highest grossing actress of like
2: because
1: yes. she's because of avatar and avengers really and guardians he's yeah. smart
2: about her roles and for star sure trek you
1: add in tune it's like dang in star trek is like nothing compared to the other two um my god yeah now I, now I, I now i reveal some stuff um always before i move to the next round which is obviously the first build actor in guardians of the galaxy is chris pratt <laughs> um I had to remove, from the top 25, I had to remove Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I had to remove Avengers Infinity War. I had to remove Thor The Dark World. I had to remove Captain Marvel. Uh, And I believe that's it. I think that, yeah, those four are the only four I had to remove. So. And the Suicide Squad is actually right after Green Lantern, but I would have had to remove that, too, because James Gunn directed it. So. Mm -hmm. All right. So, usually, usually the first round for our guests is a little tougher. It's now, you, now you get the game. You see how this is where we're going, right?
2: Ah, right. Yeah. I got my head in it now. Right, all right.
1: So now we'll move on to round two. Round two.
2: Okay, I'm ready.
1: The five films you get are... Tangled. Frozen. Cinderella. This is the 2015 Cinderella. The live-action Cinderella movie. With Lily James. Um... I would like to uh, speak for the record that Bethany just thumbed down Lily James. I would like to speak for the <laughs> record thumb down Kate Blanchett, Michelle Yeoh, all the Roy. Uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Wait, Wait. <laughs> I'm
0: joking.
2: Kate Blanchett close your ears.
0: In Cinderella you mean? <laughs> well, or like I would like life? I would like Michelle Yeoh to win the Oscar. <laughs> Kate Blanchett has two already. Let's just
1: thumb down Kate Blanchett anyway. Um Oh. So, okay, I'll I'll restart because I interrupted myself. Tangled, Frozen, The Cinderella Live Action Remake, Shrek 2, and
0: Shrek. So those are your five movies. Enchanted.
2: I'm going to go with Princess and the Frog.
1: Princess and the Frog is in the top 25, but unfortunately the answer is Enchanted. So...
0: (laughs) Ah. Ah. Oh, Ah.
3: nice!
0: This is a good week for me. I'm usually (laughs) terrible at this. You say
1: that when it took to Zoe Saldana to get Guardians of the Galaxy. That's still, that's still not great I by your standards. Don't, I that usually don't mark. get anything. <laughs> all right. I had to remove, for the record, Disenchanted. Um, which has made it up there. So that means it's been out long enough to make these lists. Um, if you, Well, no, I won't bother saying where we would have gone in the future because it doesn't matter. Um, all right. Final round. Final round. Five films are... Bolt... Ice Age, Garfield, <laughs> The Emperor's New Groove, and Lightyear. These are all movies that made
0: 100 million domestic at the box office. The Clifford movie.
2: I was almost thinking Clifford 2.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know I what didn't it know made when it though. came out. I feel like it might have. It, it either underperformed or it like was a great hit that i just knew nothing about
1: now bethany i will tell you right now this is very important is that mm-hmm. the way this game works is you have to give two yeah you, you can't just repeat clifford otherwise i won't give you another hint okay that's that's how this game works i'm gonna guess
2: <laughs> the smurfs movie then the live action one that they had All right.
1: Well, first I'm looking up how much these because I, I knew I had a gut feeling and I'm right, that Clifford did not make hundred million domestic at the box office because it came out during COVID. <laughs> I never
2: saw it. Uh, I don't the know. The Smurfs
1: did. Um never <laughs> these <are> the answer. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh ni- oh actually, you know what? Congratulations. The Smurfs is in the top twenty five. I'm pretty surprised by that. Clifford is not. <laughs> um The wow. Smurfs is in the top twenty five. Um, so <laughs> the year this film came out is
0: 2011. The B movie. Okay. Daphne, what is your guess?
2: I'm gonna guess Toy Story 3. Toy Story
1: 3. Um, oh, that's a much better guess. these are in the top 25, though. <laughs> so now you get <laughs> five additional films. All right? And then once I give the five, I'll repeat what they were for the listeners at home. Your five additional films are... Luck. Bethany, you know what the movie Luck is? I'm curious, because I don't think it was marketed well at all.
2: Is that animated? You know, it's an
1: animated movie from last year, which was on Apple TV+. Oh, Plus.
2: last year? No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't have that no, it's,
1: one. Don't watch it. It's... I didn't watch it. Well, I didn't watch it. Okay. All right. For the record, I didn't watch it. because I'm not going to watch it because it's listeners of this podcast. No, I don't support the idea of John Lasseter getting a comeback. He was removed from Pixar for a reason. Let's not give him more jobs. Anyway, so your five additional films are Luck, Kung Fu Panda, How to Train Your Dragon, Raya and the Last Dragon, and The Secret Life of Pets. So your total goes Bolt, Ice Age, Garfield, The Emperor's New Groove, Lightyear, Luck, Kung Fu Panda, Head of Dragon, Ryan and the Last Dragon, The Secret Life of Pets.
2: What? Can I ask uh, what time of year it came out? Like, summer? Or is mm-hmm. that allowed?
1: I don't think it would help you much. Um... It's not usually allowed. Okay. It's not usually allowed, but uh, I don't think I. I know, as Mark knows, I have like an encyclopedic memory of when movies came out, and there actually is a really interesting story about this movie's
0: release, but it did not come out in summer. But I'm gonna guess Brave. All right, Bethany. <laughs> I'm sorry because we kind of had like an unwritten thing to like maybe not do Pixar things, but I don't know if we made that a rule. I will uh, officially the rule is to
1: me is just if we did an episode on it, I can't do it. But if say I was oh, okay. whole, like, for example, like I'll use this as an example because it's not this movie. And I think, well, it's obvious it's not this year movie because it's 2011. But if I saw Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, rewatched it before the new one came out, even though we will eventually get the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, I can do Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse for this game. Same thing for like mm-hmm. if we get to Inside Out after Inside Out 2 comes out and I rewatch Inside Out before, the you know, the new one comes out. I can do Inside Out for this game. That's how I view it. But once we do the movie, yes, I can't do it but irrelevant because for those examples I just gave cuz they are 2011 film. This is a 2011 film.
2: What is it? Puss in Boots maybe?
1: The original Puss in Boots? Yeah.
2: That's
0: a good that's a very good guess.
1: So, Mark, what was your guess again? I just, I can't remember. What was it? Brave. Well, it's not Brave. Brave is in the top 25, but it is indeed Puss in Boots because I had yeah. to rewatch <gasps> it before the new one so I could <laughs> recap on the lore. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That came out in 2011? Yeah. It wow. came out in 2011.
1: I had to remove from the list. And they just... I had to remove, interestingly enough, only four films. And the reason I said that's interesting is because Shrek 2, Shrek 4, and Shrek 1 are all, like, the first related ones. And then the new Puss in Boots is, like, on the second row. But I did not get the Shrek 3 yet to have to remove Shrek 3. I think that's interesting that Shrek 3 is so low in the related. The reason that's interesting to me also is because Puss isn't in Shrek 1. <laughs> like, Puss is not in Shrek 1, so why is he not... Yeah. But Whatever. But yes, uh yeah, very well played. Yeah. You 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 that was like a solid arc there, Bethany. Like you grew into that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I feel good about that one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, if y'all would excuse me real quick. You do like a like a 2 minute 2 minute break. I'm going to use the bathroom Then I'll be right back.
1: Oh no, Mark, you have to keep this part in the episode. So, update on the Puss in Boots 2 <laughs> story. It is I think last week or two weeks ago, I put on the record in the podcast that Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, had moved up to the 420. sorry, 233st greatest film of all time, according to Letterboxd. I regret oh, to inform really? everyone. It has moved up higher. It is now the 125th best film of all time,
3: according to Letterboxd.
2: That is a big jump. It's so dumb. Oh it God. should not be the size. Of like all the movies that ever exist, yes. he said that that was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh Let's see where it ranks if, so I, if I sort like by that.
1: animation.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, it's it's probably even higher. That's scary. The, oh
1: my god! It's oh, the tenth. Right. So sorry. It's about the tenth best animated movie of all time, according to Letterboxd. Mark, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now what the top ten movies on Letterboxd are, from best to worst. All right. And Bethany, okay. you can hear this too. No, Bethany you already animated? animated. Um Spirited Kay. Away spider-man into the spider-verse neon genesis evangelion the end of evangelion i can't pronounce that sorry oh hell yeah perfect blue grave of the fireflies princess mononoke how's moving castle which kind of surprises me that's that high i always feel like that one's a little more divisive it's such a beautiful day (laughs) marcel the shell with shoes on and puss in boots the last wish no I'm curious hold on I want to check one other thing I want to check one other thing because I feel like I, don't I feel like mean, they don't removed Roger Rabbit because I feel like Roger Rabbit has to be in the top 250 you know like of all time because that's what I'm, I am I took the top 250 list and so it's not a top 250
0: it's crazy yeah I wondered if uh, Moving Castle would come up because this was like the same movie that came out this year as the thing we're talking about now but Marcel eh. Shoes On? no Corpse Bride um they were like fighting with Curse of the Were-Rabbit for that Academy Award for Best Animated Feature and I don't know a funky year I think all around for Best Animated Feature it was like I don't know I think all of these movies are like fine and I mean I I really I I really like Curse of the Were-Rabbit and I'm kind of I don't know I like I like parts of Howl's Moving Castle a lot
1: man we can get into this During, yep, like when we get more into the movie. But I will say, there was no way Curse of the Were-Rabbit wasn't going to win. Because (coughs) the whole reason the animated feature category was made to exist was Chicken Run like literally like it was chicken run not getting nominated for best pictures like ah dang we got we got to do an animation category because this is embarrassing that we can't give chicken run an oscar this is so bad so as soon as you know ardman was like all right we got another movie after chicken run it's like all right we, we have to give it to them like we are obligated by law to give it to them unless the movie is terrible <laughs> and curse of the rabbit where rabbit isn't terrible helena bone carter was in i guess both of these stop motion movies that's kind of crazy um, and she kills it. Yeah.
0: Both times. Yeah, but we can't talk about the movie yet because ah, we have to talk to I Bethany didn't... about Pixar. Oh Okay,
2: yes. um, just real quick. I would like to put on the record that I love Howl's Moving Castle and it is my favorite Miyazaki film. I, that's I
1: don't totally, know. That's I totally just cool. loved it. As, um, Mark is well aware, uh, I, uh Miyazaki <laughs> is one of my big blind spots. I have seen... Three Miyazaki films, and I hated one of them. Um, I think I Which hated it because I like, watched the dub. I think I'm because so I'm doing something right now on Letterboxd called the Fraser fawn because I have not seen any uh, up until this <laughs> until two weeks ago. The only Brennan Fraser movies I'd seen were Looney Tunes back in action um, and Crash, I believe, and George of the Jungle, but way when I was a child. Um, I feel like there's one other one. Oh, and Monkey Bone because I watched Monkey Bone recently. If you don't know what Monkey Bone is, Bethany, do not worry about it. It actually will probably come up in this episode again because it's a stop motion movie. Um, but
2: oh, there's that one. Oh, I'm bad the with Because I haven't seen Damn. the Mummy
1: movies until now.
2: Ooh, the Mummy? No, but it's uh, his parents make the bunker and then um. He is down there for all of his life, and then he comes up because they need supplies. What is that
1: in Man? Because that's on my list. If it's in no. man. Oh, is it Blast from the Past? That's also on my list. That was yes! also. I haven't gotten yes! to that one yet. Um, I just finished last fun. night rewatching George of the Jungle. Anyway, um, the so my <laughs> other th- my reason I mentioned this all and to get back to Miyazaki is I think my other goal this year is I would like to run for all the Miyazaki films because he has his last oh, one yeah. coming out this December. Um, hopefully um, now, now hopefully it's this is last one <laughs> hopefully the movie's coming out this <laughs> December I, I guess it could still be delayed it's scheduled for Japan in July so I would hope it gets over here by December so I'm like this is the year I gotta finally watch all the Miyazaki films and as we've already covered on this podcast it's super annoying HBO Max removed all the Japanese language things so now I'm going to go to the library and get these all out because I refuse to watch these with the, the dubs even though I know the dubs are supposed to be good I just hate watching dubs And
2: um, dubs are bad
1: the Ponyo one is bad. That's the one I don't like. Um, so I think Ponyo might oh, work. Oh, I more. don't watch Ponyo. I think one Ponyo one. might work more with the original. The thing is, oh, I'm sorry. I've seen four. I've seen Lupin the Third, which is his very first one that isn't with Ghibli. I've seen Spirited Away, obviously. Um, <laughs> I've seen, as I said, Ponyo. And then I saw last year, I watched The Wind Rises. So Howl's is one I have not seen yet. Hopefully I get to it this year. Okay. And I say hopefully as in hopefully I hmm. actually do Miyazaki thing. I'm doing the Fraser thing after saying I would do it for moms finally. So I don't like it to Miyazaki. You,
0: you know, I don't know <laughs> if I knew that you hadn't watched Princess Mononoke, but like that one might be worth checking out with the dub because it has the script by Neil Gaiman. Like I go back and forth dub and sub on Mononoke. And I also think that like the sooner you can get that film in your, blo- in your body, the but better. But I, I, yeah. I have the
3: Chicago library
0: system. So like to me, it's like I can get, I just want to go in order.
1: Like, I, that's the thing is for me always. I am like I like going in order. If I'm going to actually do a deep dive of, like, a director, I'm going to watch them in order, right? Because I, I don't really want to skip any of them because they're all supposed to be good, right? So my first one I'm going to watch is Nausicaa. I literally have Nausicaa downstairs. Because my, my idea is I'm going to work oh. through these. Unlike my Fraser thing where it's like, I'm going to try to watch all these in a month. This is like, I know this movie's coming out probably around Christmas time because it will be a big Oscar contender from whatever studio that it has it. Um I'm calling it now, and I'm probably going to jinx it. I think this is our only chance ever to get an animated director nominated for Best Director. I hope whichever studio has it pushes it, because I think be cool. I think everyone agrees Miyazaki is a living legend. Um, the Academy has been yeah. going more and more recently international in their director's bran- branch. Um, and by that I mean like there's always like a director of non-English film in Best Director nowadays. And I think Miyazaki is the obvious person to take that slot. Because he is so respected by everyone. Fingers crossed whichever studio sure. has it can mm-hmm. pull that off. But my point is, I assume the movie won't come out till Christmas and that is actually the game. Because, you know, you hold back the Oscar movie till the end. Right? So, <laughs> and also I assume they want to have a dub available anyway. And if the movie's coming out in July in Japan, Christmas, it sounds about right for when the dub would be. My point is, I'm not going to binge these. I'm just going to try to get through them throughout the year. So Natsuka will be first. But nice. Miyazaki... I'm sure I'll give updates on that down the road. Um, maybe not to you, Bethany, but maybe I can, I can text you if I watch them. When I watch it, you'll be like, Nausicaa. Okay. No, I, I'm sure I'll like Nausicaa. I've heard a lot of good things. Actually, sorry. I will We will get back to this, but do you know what I did? Did I tell you this? Uh, I don't think I did because we haven't talked in forever. But um, last <laughs> did you do? yeah, last March, I went to L.A. to see Turning Red Ooh. in a the movie theater because um, that's what I do. Um. While I was there, I did the Academy Museum, and they don't have it anymore. They had this exhibit for Ghibli films, and it was literally, like, the one part of the museum, you weren't allowed to take any photos. And it was, like, they had these storyboards. They had this concept art all up on the wall and like, these cells. And I was like, this is so cool. I wish I had watched these movies so I could really, like, appreciate this stuff.
2: But that's basically the whole story. That's pretty neat to see, though. Like, it must have been pretty, like, extensive, I guess.
1: Yeah, it was, like, it was just so cool to me. Like... In general, like, because they also had... I don't know if they had Corpse Bride, but they have a whole stop-motion wing of their animation area where they had, like, Coraline and they had Fantastic Mr. Fox there. Cool. Um, and I was like, this is so cool just to see them. They're right there. They're right in front of me. They're so neat. Were but, they, like, yeah. tiny? There was, like, their models they used. Like, you know, the, the models they actually used to... Um, I don't know why I'm, i this is. This is definitely a podcast where I can do a visual thing. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I'm posing myself like I'm a stop-motion character. Um... But yeah, no, they were just like, they were just like, you know, Coraline is just, that's what's so funny about Coraline. When you talk about Coraline, is like, she's literally doll-sized. Because that's how you make these movies, is like, they're so small models. Yeah. But it's like, the idea of Coraline being a doll is just funny because, you know, that's what Coraline is kind of about. Yeah. In a way. So, but yeah. So, Bethany. Yes. This is a detour episode, which means we're not talking about a Pixar movie. However, we need to ask you. How did you first encounter Pixar?
2: Oh gosh, um, well, Pixar probably Toy Story. I well, that makes sense. It's yeah. the first
1: one. <laughs> but go on, I
3: sorry. That's
2: probably what everyone says, but it's true. I'm, um, I don't know. Pixar just, I see the bouncing lamp in my head, and i think of Woody's boot for some reason.
1: <laughs> well, there's a snake in it. No, sorry. <laughs> well like it's not like well in your case we can actually ask you what is your favorite pixar movie because like right you're not you're not talking about pixar today normally we have a guest like usually our guests we have
0: on is like this is their favorite pixar movie this isn't a pixar movie so (laughs) well i mean we can ask about what's your relationship with pixar um what's your relationship with tim burton movies
2: Ooh!
0: I think we should all talk about that, actually. But <laughs> like, oh go on!
1: I think we should definitely all talk about that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Well, I always, I think growing up, uh, Tim Burton was really interesting because it was so different and somewhat edgy, and the people who liked them were kind of like alt and not all like preppy. So if I feel like if you like Tim Burton when you're growing up in, in like middle school, high school, people like had a certain perspective of you. I think, than the people who didn't really care for those movies. And I kind of feel like that holds true still with adults, because we have our, like, Nightmare Before Christmas adults, and that's, like, their personality. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think that Tim Burton sculpted a lot of us into liking the odd oddities.
1: Yeah, sorry, I'm nodding my head yes um, on, a, on a podcast. So, you know, that definitely is working out for me. Um, but yes, that's a good way to put it, I think. Um, even as someone who was definitely not a Tim Burton fan growing up. Uh, well, okay, that, that sounds a little aggressive for me. Um, I just, you know, I wasn't, that's not, you know, I was a Pixar kid. I have a Pixar podcast. <laughs> but um, but I do want to ask, because I, I, I also want to give, I'll give my... I'll get my own Tim Burton thoughts personally when we talk more about Corpse Bride itself. Um, I do want to – I don't want to be like, but Mark, I do still want to talk about Pixar. But I do want to – I want to – my question I'm always interested by by our listeners. And this is – and I think, Mark, you would agree with this. Um, what do you think you yes. s- stopped with Pixar? Because I think everyone – the reason I say this is I think everyone is a child, right? Yeah. Obviously. And everyone our age is a child when Pixar was, like, going through their golden age where, like, Incredibles came out when we were kids. Like, you kept seeing all these Pixar movies, usually in theaters, or if not in theaters, it was, like, the big movie to get at the library, like, when it came out on DVD. But when would you say is the point when you stop seeing them all? Because I think that we all hit that point, right?
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: no. I don't. But everyone else. (laughs) But everyone else hits that point, which is fine.
2: (laughs) oh man i see i'm bad with knowing what is a pixar movie and what is just a disney movie and um I, a
1: good rule of thumb is if it's a musical it's probably disney okay. but there are some disneys that aren't musicals too in there so
2: i saw brave
1: pixar and that's a pixar one.
2: yeah it's and weird then after it's
1: that, weird I... but <laughs> <laughs> well it's weird that it's a pixar movie that's all i mean it's like it's weird that the princess movie is the pixar movie but go on sorry yeah. oh yeah
2: no i get that yeah. for sure yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if I saw any after that. Um, after break.
1: 2013 was... That's 2012. 2013 was Monsters U. Um,
2: I did see that one.
1: Okay. And then after that is the Inside Out Good Dino Double Year, which I feel like is the year Pixar stopped being, like, a must-see no matter what to anyone because I don't really know anyone who saw the Good Dino in theaters besides, like, animation nerds like me. <laughs> I don't
2: know. I didn't see that one. I did see Inside Out, but I didn't see dinosaur movie. Yeah, that's fine.
1: So I think it's that's probably then then because I think that is generally like at least for our guests so far, I think that is like the latest until our cutoff is right. You know what I mean? Kind of Like, like
2: for myself, like I graduated high school in 2013. Yes, and I think after I got out of high school i just kind of didn't watch them as much and i don't know if maybe that's like a correlation between like my age mentally like where i was at and being like oh well that doesn't really interest me anymore kind of a thing or if maybe the movies just didn't capture my attention like they used to
1: it's probably a mix of both (laughs) like because that that is like considered like the i don't want to call it the dark era but that's when like pixar was only putting out like sequels right so like that's like like after after Good Dino it's like Dory um, Toy Story 4 um, I feel like I'm forgetting one in there Cars 3 you know Coco's in there too but Coco's like the outlier
3: oh. um,
1: yeah. Coco, Coco's still an outlier though in that era you know everything else is like a sequel around then so um, but the other thing I was gonna ask is well I'm Mark do you want to ask the question mm-hmm. you always ask our guests that I always ask our guests. Yeah, so I, I was kind of
0: alluding to what, it earlier. That? I was kind of. Oh yeah, have you have you seen Turning Red? I'm <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> ah, another one. Dad.
1: All right. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's just really funny. We never see. No one has watched this movie, and it, I forced Mark to watch it.
0: <laughs> well, I I love I love Turning Red, and I actually really recommend it for people. But it's just funny that like. I don't know. I thought it was a bigger thing. And we've talked about why it's not a bigger thing. It's just funny that people are... That everyone comes on and no one has seen Turning Red. And it seems like... Honestly, I know people are going on about Luca and how appealing I that is. To me, Turning Red seems like the thing that would have gotten people out... I mean, or onto Disney Plus to go see it. but I think uh, they both
1: would have gotten people out to theaters
0: to go see it. If only... I'm if sure only they both would have. It's just. Yeah. I but didn't see. I really recommend turning red.
2: I didn't see either. Now my best friend did see turning red, and he loved it. He thought that it was great, but I don't know how to explain this. I don't know. But he liked it a lot, and it really resonated with him. And I thought that that was really interesting. But I, I don't know. I guess it was at the time where like Disney. Plus was, like, putting out all these Marvel shows, and I was kind of just over that, and I can... Keep- Very
1: valid. Yeah. <laughs> Very valid. As someone who cancelled their Marvel podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. <laughs> Disney Plus was just putting out so much so quick, and I just I just stopped w- with all of the platform.
1: That's fair.
0: There's You're not... That sounds that good.
2: good. I mean...
0: Uh, you don't have to have seen it. It's just, just it's something just, we have to ask.
1: It's <laughs> just really like because, and also, I will go through this very quickly because the listeners have heard this so many times. Is I believe that currently we are in well outside of Lightyear because Lightyear was Lightyear, um, kind of like Coco. you know I'm like Coco's an outlier. Lightyear's an outlier in the bad direction. Is that we are currently in this era where Pixar put out three of their greatest films in years in a row on Disney Plus, so everyone overlooked them because. Disney messed up with the distribution of it and just dumped them on the platform. Kids saw them, which is really what matters because kids 10 years from now will be like, oh yeah, Luca was so good. or like, ah, I love Turning Red. And that's really what matters. But it's also like, man, Luca, Turning Red, and Soul were all so good. And no one watched them. <laughs> all it's right. Soul. Oh, well, that's good. Did yeah, you like Soul? <laughs>
2: good,
1: yeah. Yeah, all right, good. Good, we got one of them. We got one of
2: them. Yeah, but Luca, I've never even heard of.
1: Luca is Tyler's favorite. I don't know if I can, like, claim for him as, like, his favorite one ever, but he has definitely, like, implied that it is, like, possibly his favorite Pixar
3: movie. Um,
1: I don't want to speak for him, but he adores it. There's a whole saga on our podcast, which is now Cancel Wives of Ty and Dan, uh, where it's basically me having a meltdown over the the movie being sent to streaming, uh, (laughs) then finding a way to get to L.A. to see it, forcing Tyler to watch it, and so we can do a bonus episode on it, and Tyler's like, oh, no, yeah, this was amazing. <laughs> Which is something that he did not say about Turning Red or Soul. Um, but Luca's really, it's about these sea monsters who have a nice summer. That's okay. really what it's about.
2: Okay, well, mm. by the name, I would not have guessed sea monsters, so I am intrigued.
1: It's in Italy. Oh. They're Italian yeah. sea monsters. <laughs> um, but okay, well, going off of this. I'm not really going off of this, because th- these are movies you haven't seen. But, like, what do you think about when you think of Pixar? By that, I don't mean, like, you said you thought of, like, the luxury dream. I mean, like, what do you think of it, like, as an idea, <laughs> if that makes sense?
2: I think Pixar wants to be the children's daydream. I think that, like, mm. when they have kids watch their movies, they want the kids to be, like... That's how I want my life to be when they see that kind of a thing. So I feel like they're trying to create this picture-perfect kid place for kids. And maybe that's why it doesn't, like, translate so well into, like, the older generations. Because I see a kid nowadays that's, like, eight, and they're, like, going through their eight-year-old problems. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you have nothing to worry about.
1: I'm, okay. I don't want to, Okay. I I don't like because I I, I'm an adult and I love these movies. Um, but that's not really why I'm asking this. I I want to. I'm curious then. What do you think of a movie like Soul then? Because to me, Soul to me was so shocking in a sense because I do think it's the first Pixar movie that really does not have any lessons for kids to take from it. I don't think there's anything in that movie that a kid can learn because the message of that movie is like value your life. It doesn't matter if you haven't air quotes, accomplished anything because you've accomplished more than what you think in your interrelationship with each other, which to me is, like, such, like, you tell an eight-year-old that, they're like, what do you mean? I'm I'm eight. Like, this this doesn't matter. Like, so I'm just curious, like, how do you reconcile then a movie like Soul with that idea? Because I do like the idea of it being, like, a daydream. But I'm always like, for kids?
2: yeah, 27-year-old (laughs) man
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, God. I feel
2: Like, Soul was geared towards like an older audience because dude died right off the bat. Yeah, this <laughs> character, and then they're like, "See ya!" Like, kids did not <laughs> know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought it was kind of cool that uh, it was that whole like, "Don't judge a book by its cover" kind of a thing for that one that got him back into the real world again. I don't know what their name. Yeah. Was.
1: It doesn't matter. The names don't matter. (laughs) But go on. Yeah, go
2: on. But I guess, like, in the sense of it being a children's daydream of sorts, it's, like, I guess telling us that no matter what does happen, it's all going to end up okay. And maybe it's that reassurance that, like, maybe growing up is scary and we don't know what's going to happen, but it's all going to turn out fine. I don't know.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, okay. Because, okay. I was just, like... But kids. But I I get what you're saying. And I get I think even as an adult, um, I agree in a sense, because it's like I watch a movie like Luca, which I know you haven't seen, and it takes me back to being a child. It it has, as we say on this podcast, the ratatouille moment, but not really a ratatouille moment where I'm like watching this and like being thrown back to my childhood, even though there are moments look good that do that. But I mean just the act of watching a Pixar movie yeah. is like what I got excited for as a kid. So to me, it's like, oh, so, and when, and it does like, you know, like a girl and I'm using the new ones you haven't seen, but like there are sea monster boys who like have fun on the beach or there are a girl who turns into a panda. And it's like, these are like very much like child like ideas that are personified and brought to life in a way that you can tackle these issues and I big ideas in a way a child will understand. Because I do think, even as someone who's like, I don't get what kids I get out of Soul, I do think Soul is watchable for a child. Yeah. Like, there's enough funny jokes in it. There's enough. And then I don't think the lessons are necessarily geared towards them, but I do think what you're saying is accurate, too. It's
0: like, it might not be geared to them, but they can get something out of it. Yeah. 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 So, here we are. Not a Pixar film.
3: DETAIL! <laughs>
0: we have a sound effect that goes there. (laughs) All right. Um, All right. This is Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. Danny, do you want to tell us what's going on?
1: 2005,
0: September. 2005.
1: Corpse Bride is a stop-motion film. We've covered, I believe, only two stop-motion films before uh, on this podcast, and they're both movies that are typically said are directed by Tim Burton, which is The Nightmare Before Christmas um, Which is not directed by Tim Burton It's directed by Henry Selick um, And we got into all that on the episode But to be clear to Bethany It's okay that you think it's Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas Because that is literally the title of the film Is Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas Even though Tim Burton did not direct it um, And then James and the Giant Peach Which does not have Tim Burton's name on it Anywhere besides like executive produced by Tim Burton Oh, uh, I yeah. didn't
2: know that he was a part of that one
1: it's he helped with funding. He didn't like otherwise he is not involved with, you know what I mean. Like he puts his mm-hmm. unlike nightmare. Nightmare he helped a little bit on the stories and like the songs, but other but he did not direct it. Um, but James, he's not really involved with at all, um, other than his paying for it a bit. But <laughs> then Corpse Bride comes around. Corpse Bride is the first film that he actually gets a director credit on. That's a stop motion animated film, and we are covering on this podcast because. The unsung hero of Pixar, who I will give once again the full little story about. Because, one, I know Bethany has not heard it, which is fine. But, moreover, this is the last time we will probably talk about him extensively. Um, And that is, Pixar was founded by four people who are considered the. And those are John Laster, who directs Toy Story, Bugs Life, uh, and Cars. Pete Docter, who is the current head of Pixar, who directed Monsters, Inc., Up, and Soul. Andrew Stanton, who does Finding Nemo and WALL-E. But then there's the fourth guy. The fourth guy is Joe Raft. And Joe Raft never directed a movie for Pixar. Joe Raft co-directed Cars, so maybe he will come up again briefly. But in the production of Cars, he died tragically young in a car accident at age 45. And he executive produced Corpse Ride. It is the final credit he has besides Cars beyond a voice role. Um, well, I say that because he has a voice role. I don't, He has a voice role credit in Cars as well. But he this is his only ever executive producer credit. And the film is dedicated to Joe Ranft. Oh. So we are going to cover it as a detour because it is the last time we'll get to talk about Joe Ranft. Um 'Cause everything else he has the credit as is either just a voice, basically. Really. As much as I mm-hmm. would love to talk about Coraline, which is dedicated to him, we cannot we cannot dedicate episode to Coraline. Because at that point it's like we're really stretching the We're really stretching it, you know, at that point.
0: But yeah, we might have watched every Henry Selleck movie. <laughs> Except for the one I like.
1: No, I'm kidding. I like <laughs> Coraline a lot. Um But yeah.
0: And so, the other thing about Joe Rampt here is that he is the one that provided the original story to Tim Burton when he presented him with the old old Jewish folktale, upon which the story is based, uh, which you can find online. It's like a, a PDF form because it was part of some old story collection, but it's on the Internet Archive now, and it's called The Finger. So he's also the genesis of that.
2: Wow. So I, that's something that I never knew, and I'm sure there's a reason why I never knew that, but that is cool to know, though. Also kind of yeah. sad that they don't give credit to anything.
0: How do you mean? What do you mean? Wait, 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 n- yeah, I'm, I'm just... I'm I, I, I like like talking about Joe Ramster, talking about the
2: original oh, story. Right, like not having their own idea for it, and not... Oh, okay. Be- we got this idea from here, kind of a thing, because I never... Oh, yeah, I do well, think the movie I kind
1: mean. of presents it as an original tale, not a folk tale. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I do, th- and Mark saying that to me kind of surprised me too. No, sorry, I thought you were saying like, "Dang, no one gives this credit to Joe Rampton." I'm like, I mean, he he has a credit on the film. Oh no. <laughs> but, like, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> but like, no, I get what you're saying. I do think the film does kind of present it as an original story. Um, which is kind of bogus, but I also feel like you know it's kind of like <laughs> I don't think like Tangled has in the credits based on the grim fairy tale Rapunzel, you know. Oh. So I kind of get it, but it's like it's kind of weird it, that like it is unlike because um, I think Nightmare, if I remember right, Nightmare because also Nightmare really wants to advertise this as a Tim Burton movie, even though it's not a Tim Burton movie. I think Nightmare is very like based on a short story by Tim Burton, and this doesn't have that. This isn't like based on a folk tale. Yeah. It's um, also it is. Also, what, Mark, were you... I feel like uh, Mark, Mark has, What were you going to say? I feel like we have similar thoughts right now. I'm curious.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, here's here's me. This is the research that I do on these things. But, like, it's funny... Well, it's... Sometimes you would mention that it's based on some folktale or that it's not. Um, I I think it's interesting that it's based on the old 17th century Jewish folktale. And I went and found the PDF, and it's written by a rabbi... And there's a lot of, there are a lot of articles on the internet about, like, Jewish erasure. That's in, what I was going to say. But, That's what um, I was thinking, yeah. kind of. Well, and it's funny, because, like, y- you know, a lot of things come from a lot of places, and it's funny that I watched this after watching an opera that is based on a Japanese short story, which was commissioned by the Japanese people in charge of the Japan Society. It was commissioned by, an like, an American composer to write an opera in English and I thought he handled that project very he talked about how he had he purposefully was like I want to acknowledge the Japaneseness of the writer and how this was the genesis of all of that but consciously setting it in a very I don't know I don't like the word western but like western environment so that it could be about things that he knew because he didn't he didn't want to he didn't want to write about Japanese characters and then claim too much knowledge about that. Um, and it's funny because in like the one interview th- with John August that you can find about this movie is he says the that's adaptation, the writer. To
1: be clear, that's the writer of the film, one of the writers. Yes, I'm just being um,
0: and he wrote Big Fish, and uh, I think he also wrote the Willy Wonka that Tim Burton did. But it's funny because in the one interview, John August is like, "Oh, well, we changed it because uh, Tim Burton likes his films to have a universal quality," and I'm like, "Man, that's like, well, I mean, why on earth is that your answer?" I I,
1: I do think, uh, I, I, first (laughs) off, I swear, I we don't have to go down this route if we don't want to talk about it, uh, especially as we're all three, we're we're all three white people here. But I do think you know, there's a big part of Tim Burton's career. And discussion around Tim Burton and criticism around Tim Burton, even by fans of him, has been like very white, (laughs) white director. Very, like, you know what I mean? Like, his casts are very white. I'm sorry, Buffy. I know you're a big fan. I don't mean to, like, go in on him immediately. I agree. but, (laughs) But, like, um,. And I think that I really honestly had no idea that this was based on a Jewish folktale. But as soon as I heard that, I was like, of course, of course Tim Bernadette to to take this Jewish folktale and make it this story where it's like, we're going to have this big church. We have this big everything. Of course. Of freaking course he had to do this to it. Yeah.
0: And there are also people (laughs) who talk about, like, in the movie, she's killed by the guy that wants her dowry, which I think is pretty clever. I think the the machinations of this... Yes. Um, I think the machinations of this script are actually pretty clever, but there is someone who wrote about the original short story that was saying that a lot of uh, Jewish brides were killed in pogroms and then they were buried in their, like, bridal gowns. And it's a possible source for the, the setting of the story is like this guy is walking with his friends through the woods and joking around and he puts it on the finger and like, that's why she's in a wedding dress. Is because it it, it may not have been like such a strange thing to be like buried in your bridal gown. And then they go to a rabbi and then they like talk amongst themselves about that. It's very, it's very tight and entertaining, the original one. And it's free online. That's the great
1: thing about folktales. They can't be copyrighted. (laughs) No. And you know what? I'm looking right now at Wikipedia and obviously it's Wikipedia, right? Um, so anyone can edit this. But it usually follows what the poster says or what the credits say. And it says, based on original characters created by Tim Burton and Carlos Granger. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really want to... Because I'll be honest. I am definitely not equipped to talk about this. As someone who is both not a scholar of Tim Burton... Uh, and I, I say that like there are Tim Burton scholars. But there are people... like I would say... Like, Bethany, you say you've seen a lot of Tim Burton movies. I'd say you're probably more informed on him than I am, even as someone who's not as into movies as I am. Because I really, like... I don't avoid Tim Burton, but I only watch him when he is, like, forced upon me. If that makes any sense. Like, um... But... It's just... I i, I can't say I'm surprised, but I also don't really know what to say about it, other than, like, what... Oh. There it is. (laughs) Like,
2: yeah. And I mean, like, I get that because it's. Sucks. It's stupid. And it definitely shouldn't be how it is. But, you know, white dudes in Hollywood. That's why. uh... That's what I meant earlier when I was like, I'm sure that there's a reason why I didn't know that that was based off of a of folktale because uh, you know how hollywood is and that's what yeah talks.
1: yeah you gotta you gotta get that original credit you know you can't i mean not that there's any the thing is it's like it's, it's not like there's any royalties to pay too it's like just just be honest about where it comes from you know <laughs> like, uh, the other thing i wanted to say very um, briefly about it is um well one other thing um well, no, I wanted, to, I wanted to pimp Wendell and Wilde, because that's what I always like doing on this podcast, God, I loved Wendell and Wilde. It was great. Wendell and Wilde, if Bethany... And I'll, I'll do this really quick, just more for Bethany than for the listeners, because the listeners know I love this movie. Um, Wendell and Wilde is this Netflix movie that came out a couple months ago that got completely buried by them. Um, it's directed by Henry Salick, um, who's the guy who did Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline. Okay. First movie since Coraline. Crazy hasn't made a movie since Coraline. And it's written by Jordan Peele. Uh, and I really liked it. Yeah, I really thought it was good. I am the only person I know who loves this movie. Everyone else, like, moderately likes it, but I'm like, nah. I think this is, like, up there with Coraline. I felt like it was fantastic. Um, but the thing about that movie is, like, it's a... I don't I don't, I don't want to say it's a mostly black cast, but it's got, like, a ma- Angela Bath is in it. It's got a lead black black girl as the main character. Um, and then it's got a diverse cast, otherwise. And, of course, Key and Peel are in it, um, playing Wendell and Wild. They're demons, but, like, you know what I mean? Like... It's interesting to see like the Burden aesthetic applied to something that is not lily white all the way through. That's all I mean by that. Cuz that is cuz I think of being like Selleck is very associated. cuz people will be like from the nightmare before, from the director of nightmare for christmas comes coraline and be like ah sweet tim burton. No, it's not a Tim burton movie. But like, you know, they they very much played into that idea and that aesthetic. Yeah. Um I think that's interesting. The other thing I want to say very briefly before we really start talking about the movie is this actually has another connection Mark to, um, our show and the Pixar, which is that, um, this is only the, yeah, it's only the second film she produced is Alison Abate, who is the producer of another detour we did, which is The Iron Giant, uh, um, uh, which makes sense because she's at Warner Brothers, so if you look at her filmography, it's all Warner Brothers animated movies she produced, and then, um, she also produced Fantastic Mr. Fox and Frankenweenie. So I assume she got kind of in the stop-motion business also with Corpse Bride. Um, and also, you know, Tim Burton did Frank and Weenie, so Tim Burton probably just, like, carried her along, you know? Which is fine. <laughs> but I just thought it was cool to see, like, oh, well, cool, there's that connection, too, because her first producing credit was Iron Giant.
0: But, okay. Bethany, I gotta know, what are your thoughts on Corpse Bride? Because I, I, I want to power ahead... And I know when we came in and you heard that Danny had not seen it, you wanted an explanation. So what sparked that um, reaction from you?
2: Uh, To me, Corpse Bride is like a yearly Halloween movie. And I don't know how it became that for me, but I think just something about it being like, ooh, spooky, here's a zombie girl kind of a thing, made it like a yearly staple. Now, I don't go and search for it, outside of halloween time but around halloween every single year i'll watch it because it just seems like that's the thing you know like beetlejuice hocus pocus corpse bride things like that
1: it's not it's not a time where i feel i haven't seen beetlejuice either (laughs) (laughs) that is one that that one is always on my Uh, list of like i have to watch this year and then i I just never do and i feel bad i'm always like i want to watch it but I just always, I I just always miss it. I don't know why. It's it's like Home Alone two, honestly. Home Alone two is in that same boat. I've never seen it. i oh, never keep meaning to watch it. Okay, well that's good. I'm not alone. There. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> I well, I really agree with that aesthetically. I I mean it's not a film that I watch every Halloween or anything like that. But it is. I was surprised watching this, like how consistently all the way through it holds the the gothic aesthetic. Oh is yeah. Is that something that kind of has I mean it kind of like turned me away from Nightmare Before Christmas for a long time sometimes you just want something that is like dark and spooky like all the way through and Corpse Bride for the most part is a rare movie that I think does that
2: yeah I definitely agree and uh, especially like in the living world of Corpse Bride it's all just like gray scale for everything but then once we get into like the land of the dead we start having these fun like purple and green colors coming out and it's more vibrant almost so it's kind of like creepy in that way but fun
1: so Mm -hmm. i miss this movie because and this is a fast flashback to our henry selleck episode which is that my parents did not want me watching Nightmare Before Christmas. And honestly, I had no real interest in it. It was always the ad that was on like the VHS's of Disney movies. Where it'd be like, Chuck up on Nightmare Before Christmas. And I'd be like, eh, looks kind of creepy. I'm not really not really into that. Um, and so, of course, when you know The Corpse Bride... I'm, I'm 10 when this movie comes out. So it's not like I really remember my thoughts on this. <laughs> but I remember kind of just having the same thing where it's like, oh, that looks like that dumb movie, creepy movie I don't really want to watch. So, And also, again, this came out the same time as Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Rare Rabbit. And my dad is a huge Artman fan, huge Wallace and Gromit fan, so of course he was going to take me to that and not this. Um, And, I'll be honest, I do prefer Artman to the stylings of either Burden or Selleck, personally. I, as someone who, I I don't want to say like, I feel like being like, I don't want to be like stop-motion animation is a genre. Because I don't believe animation is a genre. It's a medium, obviously. Um, But... I would say, to me, this is about the same my take on Nightmare Before Christmas. Which is probably about to offend Bethany Rock, because I don't think she knows it. Is I think Nightmare Before Christmas is, at best, fine. Um, And that is an at best. I think it is, generally, I get kind of annoyed with it. I get kind of bored with it. I'm just whatever with it. And that is kind of how I felt about this. Now, I obviously respect the artistry here that is always what my feeling is with the stop motion movies is like there's so much cool stuff going on here technically i have a lot of thoughts on the technique in this one actually um it's, it's kind of mixed personally um but like the only movies that i've liked with this i i, I feel like i want to reclaim it for henry Selleck because i do think it is more like in this case Like i know it is tim Burton's style but like the stop motion stuff is Henry Sulk. Like, you know, like Henry Sulk did Nightmare and James and the Giant Peach. And this is post-Monkey Bone. So he's done three of these movies with this type of style. And yes, this is Burden style, but like, I don't know. We give him so much credit anyway. Let's let's give some st- st- some credit to the Henry sock Um <laughs> and the only like Henry Sulk style movie I really love um until Wendell and Wild is Coraline. Um and I think it's because I feel like these movies are so short. And I don't really ever think they really flesh out their characters well, personally. Um, I like the music sequence, as always. Um, the best moment in this movie, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, is the skeleton dance sequence. Where I was like, oh yeah, like this is great. Like, I love this. This is crazy. Um, but, I, you know, it's just not for me. And, like, I can respect... Obviously, I'm glad we have someone on who really loves it. And I think, Mark, you like it. And it's good to always have, like, a variety of opinions on it. But it's like, to me, it's like, I have... No nostalgia for this at all. <laughs> I recognize it as something that's like a phenomenon among our it's like Harry Potter to me. Right? Like I'll always recognize it as a phenomenon among my generation, like the Nightmare before Christmas Corpse Bride movement, but I will personally never be on board with it. But it's that's fine, you know? Like I'm the I'm the 27 year old guy who's like, ah oh, yeah, turning red, Luca, <laughs> these movies are masterpieces. Yeah. Like, so like who am I to knock Corpse Bride? But <laughs> I, I, I do think there's craft here.
2: Yeah. Well, I get what you're saying, though, with, like, the characters and not being flushed out at all. I don't know. I... The plot of it, watching it now, being 27, compared to I was also 10 when it came out, I am just like, well, this is kind of odd. Like, I don't know. There's those things that, like, as a kid watching it, you don't think about. As an adult, it's like, well, why don't why does why do they take this direction? Why are they doing this? And it just seems like an easy out sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it yeah. to me it's also like I think this is an issue with James and the Giant Peach. This is an issue of Well, no, it's not as big an issue of Nightmare for Christmas. But this is an issue of James and the Giant Peach. This is an issue with um off the top of my head, I can't think of a specific Burden movie, but I think this is an issue of a lot of Burden's recent stuff, which is, you know, generally considered not great, I would say. I think most people are on the Tim Burton kind of fell off the wagon of always delivering great movies. Um, the I main character is nothing. Wednesday. The main character is absolutely nothing here. <laughs> like, Johnny Depp's character, completely flat. Uh, there's, there's nothing there for me to get attached to at all. Um, he has no actual arc here. Um... I do think um, Emily is a good character. I think Emily, and I think Helena bowen Carter does a fantastic job with her voice performance. Um, but mm-hmm. Victor, that, I was looking at his name, Victor.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I get nothing from him at all, and I'm always. And it's also one of those things where it's like you know, like this movie thankfully doesn't become something where it's like two women fight over this boring man. It does not become that, even though it does feel like it might be heading that direction for a little bit. Yeah. Um. But Emily's really cool, so I can't be too mad about it. Like again, it does come, kind of come down to this thing where it's like, to me, Nightmare. The reason I compare the two is like obviously the aesthetic is very similar. Nightmare has way better songs, but I think this has a better central character. Weirdly, if I count Emily as the central character, so they kind of even out to me.
0: But I don't know. I'm just I yeah I agree because this this was a first watch for me too actually. And I did I not want to admit that
1: till because if you were like, well, what do you mean? You know? What? No, you were like, yeah, well, you know, when Danny said this was the first time you watched it, you really freaked out about that. And I'm like, you know, I, 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 I I'm sorry, I'm just I'm calling you all up here. I feel like you definitely presented yourself as, oh, I've seen this before, too. <laughs> oh, <sorry>. so now.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You're letting I've me just, take the heat I've, for that. Honest, honestly, <laughs> I feel like I've started this movie a few times and never gotten really far because I think, I don't know what it is, because I agree with everything you said. I think the thing for me with this movie is that, like, there is so much there that seems, like, half there. Like, like, ooh, like, you just... There's there's this thing that they set up where, like, the two characters that are attracted to each other play piano, and, like, like oh, that that's scene. interesting. It's good. But, like, we could emphasize that by maybe giving um, Victoria, like, a little more personality. That's, that's like the giant thing for me in this film is that I love, I love so much the idea of like the families marrying each other and they don't know what's up. And then there is like the other dude. I am, you know, Victor could be more of a character. I'm all right with where he's at, Uh Emily could be more more of a character, but she's actually probably the most charactery of of anyone. Even though at the end, it's kind of like I oh, do feel like well, a lot of it is You could is have given Helena us like one scene to like flip that around. Yeah, I think Helen a lot Bonham-Kar of it is, is Helena
1: Bonham Carter's vocal performance. I'll say though, and that says a lot when you get like an animated movie like this where it's so expressive, like their movement. But I think so much of Emily is how Helena Bonham Carter voices her.
2: Yeah, because I feel yeah.
1: like I feel like Johnny Depp's kind of phoning it in. Um, like, because he could do a role like this in his sleep, and it sounds like he's asleep for half his lines. and I don't think anyone else in this movie is... I like, I like the, gra- oh, the, the I don't know who plays him, but the main, like, skeleton who's, like, looks like an old man, I like that voice actor. He's good, too. But, yeah. The skeleton who looks like...
0: Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah.
1: Not the, uh, the Peter lore is a little too much, though. Um, a different character. The Peter lore worm is a little much for me. That's the the, the worm.
3: Uh. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, I
1: am. But... I wanted to ask: Did I, as someone who watches movies and feels like I occasionally miss things, I have to ask: Did Richard E. Grant like hypnotize Victoria, or because there no. are so many moments at the end where, she, yeah, that's the thing is like I don't think that happened, but it's like she's no, getting she's married. Just so
0: shocked by him, and
1: she just like blank stares constantly, and it's like this is so bizarre to me because this movie is very, in a way, unlike a lot of. And I'm sure we'll get into this when we talk about the animation, but. These characters are constantly blinking. These characters are constantly fidgeting a little bit. They feel way more trying to be like alive than most stop motion is at this time, because you know stop motion's like we only need to make a movement if it's necessary, because it costs us so much money to do it, and we're not gonna mess around with that. <laughs> um, but in this, like the characters constantly blink. They like move their hands just a tad. It's and. In that sequence, it's literally like she stares blankly ahead. Her eyes aren't moving at all. And I'm like, is she hypnotized? Like, what is going? And I, I know she isn't. You're saying uh, I didn't miss anything, but it's like, where, where, where is she? Like, she, I, I, I just, I didn't get it, for Victoria. Because I really liked her in the first half. Then she does nothing in the back half, and it's like, what? Is
2: yeah, I guess it's like with that time period, uh, she couldn't really do much, maybe. Like, as a woman. I know, but it's like, it's a cartoon.
1: I I, I I hate to be like, it's a cartoon. She can do whatever she wants. But it's like, yeah. it, it would be satisfying even at the end if she did something, you know? Like, it shouldn't just be Emily saving the day. She should be doing some stuff, too. You know? It would be more satisfying than being like, oh. Because as it is, I'm like, I want him to end up with Emily. Because, well, no. I think Emily deserves better. That's not true. I think Emily I think Emily, Emily. deserves to become butterflies at the end. It's... it's she, she deserves better. <laughs> so... Um,
2: to me, when she became butterflies. Yeah,
1: it, especially because, you know, it just cuts to credits afterwards. It's like, okay. Well,
2: yeah, and then so what was the whole land of the dead thing about? If she just becomes butterflies?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Is that, like, their Is, purgatory?
1: I was, like, I was thinking maybe it's, like... Yeah, I and guess it's maybe it's purgatory, but it's, it's like... Happened. Why, 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 like... It's not really... I don't want to cinnamon, cinnamon That's a big thing. I don't want to be like... You know, like... But it's also like... I do think the movie asks the question. You know, like... If... She could become butterflies the whole time. Why are the other skeletons... They're just being skeletons? You know? Yeah. Like, maybe... Maybe they're waiting around for... But that could be explained. And I I also... I... I, I hate... Because it does sound like to me... Now, I'm hearing myself talking. I'm like... It sounds like it's like... I want... That would be exposition saying why these people are dead and why they're just hanging around dead, and I don't want that because that's clunky. But it's like we couldn't have something. Where it's like they say once you settled your business with the living, you can become something better than you imagined. You're like a throwaway, dumb, dreamy line like that, and yep. then it's like oh, you get that at the end. Like we couldn't have that in there at some point.
3: <laughs> no,
1: because it's something where like I think, I think the movie kind of has that. Because it's like you know when they come back, they see their their widows, they see. We don't get a scene with the kids meeting their parents. I feel like it's very missed. That would be very cool. But maybe they thought it would be too distracting to actually draw attention that they're dead children. (laughs) Um, Or, like, we get the scene with Scraps. We get the scene with Scraps where it's like, oh, it's my dead dog, you know? Um, But it's like, nope. Uh, She meets the person who killed her. And he dies. And presumably they kill him once again when he's already dead or something like that. Um, And, yeah. uh, She can become butterflies now. But... They're cool.
0: Yeah, I I hate to be like the person who thinks about rewriting the film as they're watching it, but I just I wanted to support you, Danny. Because I feel like this now, after the success of Beetlejuice, can you imagine like a musical, live musical version of this song that had like the money treatment and then we could like, I don't know. I just I would I would the setting intrigues me so much and I would love to and kind of flesh things out a little bit more. I think that I think that Victoria should just suck more, because I think it's really funny if like she and Victor are two terrible people, who should belong together for that reason. <laughs> but like, it's I, not enough. She just she she just passes out of the film.
1: I think it would work. I think making them hate be bad would be better in live action. You know what I mean? Like if it's a live action movie, having them both be like comically bad. And just having mm-hmm. Emily be this comedic, like, everyone around here sucks. But I do want to say, in a way, I want to I want to posit that I am glad this is animated. Because I do think the one scene of this movie I will be thinking about, and I already mentioned it, is the skeleton dance scene. I think anytime the dead people are just skeletons, it's great. I love that. I'm like, cool, awesome. I don't need her to be a decaying corpse. I don't need him just to be, like, a blue dead corpse. Honestly, at the end, she shouldn't have turned butterfly. She just had the flesh melt off her bones, revealing a skeleton. I would have liked that. She'd be like, I'm, so, I'm satisfied now. I, I embrace being dead. And it'd be like, hooray. And like, I don't care. I think that would be cool. Just have her become a skeleton because the skeletons look way cooler than anyone. Although, I, I will admit, the corpse Bride design is kind of iconic. Like, it, it looks really great. I get why people um, cosplay as her, as people like, you know, I think it looks really cool. Do you not like the Corpse Bride? Do you disagree? Design?
2: I have issues with her dress. And that's okay. only thats only because <laughs> it's not in period with the rest of the movie.
1: Is it Whoa. too far in the future?
2: Yes! Okay, okay, wearing- okay, okay. That's fair. Though. And I'm like, what? And then all the other women in that movie have collars up to their chins. And it just doesn't make sense. She's And then cool. they say, You say in the movie that it's her mother's dress. So it should have been an even older style. And I get it. I know the movie came out in two thousand five. We love a good strapless dress, but it just (laughs) does not make sense. And maybe that's the costuming person in me. But Mm, it's it's a
1: fair it's a fair complaint. I think it's fair. I think yeah. though my answer though is the answer to this is we set the movie more in the future because I do I like the design too much to get rid of her design I I think no one else here has an interesting design other than the skeletons so in that I case mean, like yeah. let's just move everyone else to the future if that if that's an issue.
0: Well, they even like set that up too as something where like it her dress could be more torn than it is. There's that whole scene where Victor's running around. In the forest, and his uh, his clothes get torn, and that's one of the reasons that she thinks that he's a dead person when she meets him. And if her clothes are torn, and she's got all that decolletage going on, that makes sense that it's like part of her being dead. And that's another thing I got from reading the Jewish folktale beforehand. So things like jump out at me from that, but. And, and, they, and they, like, make a deal about fixing his clothes later on in the movie. So... Oh, yeah. Give it 30 more minutes. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 30 more minutes. A song for Victoria. More things. But, I mean, that's... Yeah.
1: I feel like that's true about... I'm going to compare this now to George of the Jungle, uh, a movie I watched last night because of the Brendan Fraser Marathon, um, which is that I feel like there are so many kids' movies... Um, and I, I know people are gonna be like, well, Corpse Bride isn't a kid's movie, it's a Tim Burton movie that's designed, it's an animated movie that's designed for everyone, and I'm like, yes, but (laughs) the story is so thin that I feel comfortable saying, and it's based off a folktale, like, to me, it's like, it, it, this could be, like, a bedtime, it's a dark bedtime story, but it's a bedtime story nevertheless, like Edward Scissorhands, I don't, I think Edward Scissorhands is a kid's movie, too, I think adults can get a lot out of it, but I think it's a kid's movie, um, but I watch a movie, like, George of the Jungle, okay, enjoy the jungle i'm really into it the first 20 minutes like this is funny the the jokes are working everything is great oh no we've kind of like we ran out of jokes and we've got an hour left shit what do we do let's take george to america all right (laughs) brendan fraser is walking around new york uh not new york san francisco being goofy this is good for 10 minutes oh no it's boring what do we do now? Oh, let's send him back to the jungle and have his friend get kidnapped there. And he has to save his friend. Um, and then we'll give a big love scene for Leslie Mann. And then, oh, Thomas Hayden Church, we never resolved that. Let's have him join a cult. Oh, great. We hit our allotted runtime. Perfect. <laughs> We're done. Great final shot of the movie. Do you know, Do you remember the final shot of, the, of George of the Jungle as Bethany? I have no, to, I, I sent so. it to Mark yesterday. Very excited.
0: <laughs> It's I, um the narrator. I have never goes- seen that image before.
1: <laughs> so the narrator goes, um, the narrator because there's a narrator of the entire movie. Um, George marries his girlfriend in the movie, um, and then it jumps ahead to like them having a kid and the kid like walking around, and the narrator goes, so how did a boy abandoned in the jungle, um, find love? Raise a kid and become still king of all the animals. And then Brendan Fraser looks at the camera when the the camera suddenly cuts to like this clear, like different thing where it's on a green screen. You're like, okay, it's very close up. It's Brendan Fraser surrounded by his wife and his kid, and he turns to the camera and he goes, George just lucky, I guess. And then you hear George. George, George of the Jungle, as it zooms out to reveal, he is on Pride Rock, like the animated self, Pride Rock, as he raises his kid up like Simba, and the words, the end of under it. Yes, sir.
0: George, George,
1: George of the Jungle, <laughs> I adore <laughs> me, you and me! And the credits just start rolling, and it's like, this is amazing. Like I, <laughs> No, 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 it's I <laughs> and get a half star, just off the audacity of this ending. <laughs> i appreciate it so, and then it has a big credit scene which isn't as fun but it's the like the idea of just ending it with a lion king parody. And that's also like it's two two or three years after the lion king that's like this is amazing like great it's also really where george's jungle came out before tarzan but i digress but my point is corpse ride is kind of the same thing where it's like all right cool we have the skeleton scene and the, like we have the plot set up okay cool We get to the land of the dead. Cool. We get this great skeleton dance sequence. Awesome. Oh, shit. We have 40 minutes left in the movie. And the plot... like We we just realized we set up everything, but we don't actually have a plot. (laughs) So how can we have there be a plot going on here that isn't just immediately resolved with Emily realizing this person is really boring and letting him go back? (laughs) Because... Because it's really a disservice to Emily's character as presented—that she's so into Vic- Victor—and it's because she's desperate. Let's be real. I'm sorry, girl. You, you desperate. Um, <laughs>
2: but it was her it, unfinished business.
1: She she has unfinished business, sure, but it's like eh, the, the, the the business should be finished because no one should want to be with him. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's my whole thought here. It's like there is no real. It's constantly like, oh. And then this happened. It, yeah. I, I And it's... And then, yeah, you're right. oh, shoot, let's put a song here so we can get it to the 75 minutes with credits runtime. This movie's about as short as it can possibly be to be released I in theaters.
2: Yeah, oh. I didn't realize that it was so short, and then I saw that it's only like an hour and 15 minutes.
1: Yeah, I'm
2: and that's with credits. That's, being longer.
1: that's with credits. So it's oh like we really got to just, I don't like, you know what I mean? Like, it's really like, we got to figure this out quick. And it's like, that's the thing to me. I think that to me is the key on why Henry Salk movies and movies like this and Weenie get me mad. And it's not even that gets me mad. It's like, you have so much artistry here. You have so much great stuff in the puppets. Could we not spend more time on the screenplay before we get into this production? Yeah. And, I mean, I read recently, well, I, I read recently, I listened on a podcast recently, they talked about Wendell and Wild, which I like, but a lot of people don't like, and say the writing is bad on them. It's like, they did nine drafts on that before it got made, and it's like, and some people are like, well, they should have done more, and I'm like, yeah, but like, you look at a movie like this, where it's clearly like, Oh, we'll fill some time here, we'll fill some time here. It's kind of like, and I mentioned this in our Toy Story episode, you compare Toy Story to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Now, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is obviously a groundbreaking film.
0: A groundbreaker! Oh, yeah, a groundbreaker! Groundbreaking <laughs> moment!
1: Gino's right, like, not say Corpse Pride was a groundbreaking
0: movie.
1: We have a running joke with every movie. I go, like, this is a big change for Pixar! It's a groundbreaking <laughs> movie! Um, <laughs> I didn't say that for Corpse Pride. Sorry, Corpse Pride. But you watch Snow White. I believe it's, like, 67 minutes. So it is absolutely barely a feature-length film. And there are like three minute long sequences where it's just the dwarves are snoring. And it's like, that's how I feel like. And then Toy Story, you know, is like it's 80 minutes, but there's constantly something happening in that movie. And the story is so tight. And it's like, then you watch Corpse Bride. And I think movies like Corpse Bride and Nightmare and Jim the Giant Peach all have way more in common with Snow White. Where it's like, shit, throw a song here. <laughs> it's like, we got to hit that 75 minute runtime. And I get, I also get with stop motion, you want to be as short as possible because it takes so long to make. But I I posit that you can make a 75-minute movie that doesn't feel like you're filling up time. (laughs) Because it's 75 minutes. You you should have a tight script if it's 75 minutes. Yeah. It shouldn't feel longer. Every movie should feel shorter than what it is, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I definitely get that. And it did. It does feel longer than what it is. But we're also, like, kind of given... A lot of information like here's this character here's this character she has all of these portraits on the wall but she only looks like just this one lady but forget about her for a second let's go back to this and i'm like what why even talk about the family history and do all that stuff
1: well why? i i like the beginning like to me it's like okay and you're right you're right it is weird but then you know it all does it come back does it come back i i watched this movie an hour ago and i'm already like does this stuff come back in the movie <laughs>
2: They were like, this ancestor that she looks like, and she's the only one that looks like her, and she was unlucky for some reason, and mm. then they went past it. And then later on, Big Chin points at it, and he's like, I'm a mean man, and I'm gonna marry this one, and that that was it.
1: It's fr—it's so frustrating to me. That, that is a thing to me. It's the thing that's always frustrating to me about like a movie like... Um, I'm trying to think of like a canonical bad movie. Um, like a, like a a big blockbuster that is bad because I want to say the Transformers movies. By know mark likes right. them.
0: Yeah, so. I don't like the Transformers movies because they're good. I kind of like them because they're bad.
1: But it's like you put. Oh, you know Hard what's a great recommend example?
0: Transformers five. I and mean, what's anyway. a great example actually
1: is the Hobbit movies. There is so much craft put into those Hobbit movies where it's like we we invented a new camera technology that doesn't look great, but we we invented it anyway. We we made so many beautiful sets. We made great um, makeup, and it's all in service of we're having a three-minute sequence where this guy talks about there being bird shit on his beard, and it's like, why? Well, like, we- why, why? Why did we do it? Like, how can we put so much effort into something that is so fundamentally not there on a script level?
2: Yes. Okay. I recently rewatched The Hobbit and i know we're talking about corpse bride so i'll make it short no but- it's okay
1: we can tangent <laughs> feel free to yeah. go on go on there's
2: so many times when i was like this is such a lord of the rings movie where it's just them staring at each other there will just be sequences and where it goes back and forth me staring you're staring we're staring at each other and we get it but that lasts for like two minutes and why there's no dialogue even happening it's just nothing
3: mm-hmm. and
2: it doesn't make sense so yeah, Corpse Bride kind of does that too. Like I don't know why even why even have the parents. Why do we have the parents?
0: They're so. Like- they make. I like the parents.
1: I don't. <laughs> but I'm curious why Mark likes them. I don't like them either.
0: <laughs> well, no, it's because it, what I said. I can keep it short, and it's just that I think the dynamic of poor rich family meets new money family. And they're the reason that these people marry and have never met each other. That I love that setup. And I think that there's this kind that. of drag, but yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what I'm saying, is like none of none of it's such it is, ugh, this is it really is like good story writing. Like this is you have the characters at their highest stakes. This is why I was always so like not about this if you learned this in screenwriting because clearly you can have characters who have the highest stakes possible and do nothing with them and still make a billion dollars. Um, but like, I, lo- I, th- I love this setup, and I also, Mark's Mar- 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 the
1: MCU in Jurassic World right now. Um, go on, <laughs> go on.
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not subtweeting it, it's every we can all see these things. Um, and there are also some movies that like. I don't know. I like other movies. But I'm just, I, I also like Joanna Lumley and Albert Finney. They're a hoot. I wish there's, st- I you know, I I think you put it very well. Even though this wasn't my experience watching it, after Bone Jangles, the film kind of drags. Your reasons are interesting. I would have to go back and see if I have different reasons for that. But anyway, what were you all saying about the parents? I had my own defense of them. But you both seem to dislike the parents, and I was surprised by that
1: they're just they're nothing burgers like they are they're they're completely generic to me they are 100% what you like that's the thing to me is like and i get and it's something where it's kind of ridiculous to complain about cuz tim burton is such a trope codifier right like the tim burton aesthetic is something we talk about tim burton loves his archetypes but to me it's like these are like these parents make this the most boring possible story imaginable that they're like, no, you can't talk to each other before you meet. It's like, come on, like, surely we can make this dynamic more interesting. Surely we can come up with a way to subvert this in a way that still feels organic and still feels like they fit within an archetype, like an archetype, but there's this element. But no, they are just the most archetypical characters imaginable. And they're just very boring. And I know they're intentionally so, but it's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's yeah. where I'm at with them. That's-
2: <laughs> yeah. I thought that too. And it's like the both the moms copy and paste different font. Overbearing, the mom is in control, she does all the talking. Dad, submissive, passive, doesn't really care that much, kind of a thing. And I thought it's like, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, one's poor, one's rich. Well, used to be. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know
1: and you if i may...
2: comedic stuff either like a little some but not I, a
1: lot i don't remember whose parent it is because it, i think it's Vic, i think it's victor i think we see victor's parents more often than we see victoria's parents if i'm correct but i hate this is this is going to be my my hottest take on this is that and i kind of already said it but i'm going to be very blunt here i kind of hate the aesthetic of this film uh, I
0: wow I I, I, is the hottest take.
1: I hate the character design outside of Emily and Victor and Victoria because that's really it's hard to hate Vic- oh excuse me I like the dead people. I really do like the dead people that aren't just blue corpses but I hate the 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 models on the humans the li- the live humans I hate I despise looking at the father the the little round father i hate him I, I, I he appears on screen i'm just like get that away from me it's not even that it's, it's not even that he's looks ugly in like an exaggerated way it's just like this is the it's not even it's not only ugly but it's like generic ugly to me um there's nothing interesting about them there's nothing interesting about how they look ugly but moreover you were talking about the desaturation of the 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 human world I don't like that either. I wish at the end when the the dead people came, I wish they brought some brightness to the world with them. But no, we still have our climax in the most doldrum, ugly, bland place imaginable. And I definitely want... I don't know if now's the time to bring it up, but I also don't like the stop-motion animation here. Um, I think it is way too tampered with CGI-wise. I think it is too smooth. I think the use of CGI, like the CGI butterflies, I think it constantly looks bad. I would rather we composite over, like, hand-draw. Like, you know what I mean? I would rather we make this look more handmade than try Because the thing is that really sticks out to me constantly in this is how Victor's hair moves. I don't know if it's CGI augmented or not, but it moves too much to me. That is, like, I would rather it look more jerky herky jerky because to me that is such an aesthetic of what you get when you try to make a stop-motion movie we want to have it feel handmade and this feels too smooth to me and i know this has so much like weird tech involved with it that's like we're trying to make stop-motion movies easier and look more like more like um more appealing to the eye but you show me a movie like and i know these are totally different aesthetics but the same year Wallace and gromit where you clearly see the thumbprints on it and i feel like you can see like in nightmare and in james the giant peach and in Coraline, the joints, right? This feels yeah. so. This feels so. Maybe it's because I watch this in HD, which I don't usually watch my movies in, because I normally check them off my the library, and it's lower quality. It's 480p. But to me, there are points of this where it's like this just looks like CGI that's been lit well enough to look like photorealistic puppets, and I don't like that. I really, I really don't. I would rather them look like more stuttery. Maybe this is a radical take that I think technology is bad. <laughs> <But> <laughs> on a I Pixar actually, podcast.
2: <laughs> I didn't notice his hair uh, being like that. But, like, thinking back on it now, yeah. Because one of the things that I noticed is um, Emily's hair.
3: Because
2: mm-hmm. hers is the longest that's down. And it's kind of interesting how much hers moves compared to, like, the other people in it but i didn't focus on victor's hair because his is so you know just shorten up his curl is
1: constantly bouncing in this movie and it drives me crazy i'm like just keep it's a curl just keep it where it is it's a puppet (laughs) 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 that's but yeah sorry yeah yeah yeah. it's it drives me crazy that's that's the big thing to me with this is like i think even if i think nightmare is i think i said they're about the same i think if you told me i had to watch one of them i pick nightmare because i think nightmare looks so much better visually because Nightmare has the seams still showing in the stop motion. Where you can be like, oh, how'd they do that? And this is constantly like, how'd they do that? Oh, they probably use CG. It looks so tampered with to me. And maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I do think there were touch-ups involved. And I know, I had Mark look this up. I know they like, the 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 face thing. They did something weird with the face puppets on this that make it more smooth. But again, it's like...
0: Well, that the thing that I told you about was actually an analog technology. They had some kind of... They had I, I wanted to find a video about this but it was some sort of key and gear tech so they could move the facial features more smoothly rather than what they had done before and I don't really understand that but it was like it, it just it just gave them more control but it was still uh, hand and metal or whatever technology
1: but they shouldn't be able to move so much because you guys know how they did nightmare right? Like how they did the changing expressions on Nightmare, right? They had an entire, entire big drawer of jack heads that had the main key faces and then the transition faces to that face. And they just swapped out the heads constantly. That to me is so much cooler than like, we have a mechanism within the heads that lets us move the head expressions on its own. I'm just like, I'm sorry. like I, I get that it's probably easier on them, but like... Take more time and make your movie look better. <laughs> like that, that's where I'm at here. It's like because the thing is also it's like I think Coraline uses the same type of tech. You know what? Because I know Leica. Fun fact: I I did look at this. Leica is credited in the in the credits of this, which I was very surprised by because I didn't think Leica was a thing yet. But that's because Leica. So it's Will Vinton Studios, Leica, Travis Knight, and Phil Knight buy out that. In July two thousand five, and rename it Leica. So this is Leica in name only. If you know what I mean, because Leica, I do you know who Leica is? I'm sorry, maybe I should clarify who Leica is. Who Laika I, don't
2: is. Think I do know who that
1: is. You do? You I don't,
2: don't. I don't think. Uh, okay. No, I don't think I do.
1: So Leica is the only stop motion studio we have right now because they did. De- because oh. basically, I'm gonna regurgitate what I heard in another podcast. I'm not allowed to say the name of, but um, <laughs> very quickly is Will Vinson, Was the guy who made the California Raisins. A lot of stop motion stuff in the 80s and 90s. Um, And he was contracted. His studio was contracted to do this movie. Um, During the process of this movie being made. Obviously stop motion is not a very lucrative film thing. He's looking for someone to buy. Phil Knight. Who is the um, founder of Nike. Has a son. Travis Knight who wants to get in the stop motion. And he's like, Daddy, can you buy me the studio? And Daddy's like, yes, I will. Um, And they buy the studio and they rename it Leica. And the first thing they do after this is call up Henry Salking. Hey, we're doing a new stop motion. We have a new stop motion studio we're launching. We know you're trying to make Coraline. Do you want to make Coraline for us as our first movie? And of course, Henry Salk goes, yes. And Coraline gets made at Leica. And Laika, since Coraline has made Paranorman, um, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Box Trolls and Mixed Thing Link, but oh. no one talks about those two movies. Um, but they're like our premier stop-motion studio now. You know what I mean? Like, they, they're they the people who make stop-motion movies now. Um, okay. Fun fact about Travis Knight is, even though this story made him sound like a bad person... And, like, a bad, rich kid who just wants, Daddy, I want a studio. He did direct Kubo in the Two Strings, which, even though I do not like it, is a very well-regarded film. So, I guess he has some talent. So, (laughs) like... I might not like it, but I cannot disregard the multitude of people who do. Um, But... All to say is, their names are in the credits of this movie, It shocked me, because I'm like, I thought Coraline was their first movie, but it's like, oh, no, they were just bought out and renamed Laika. So, this is Uh not... This is them, but it is the husk of the old company that just got renamed them. <laughs> um, all this to say is I know Coraline uses like 3D printers for the models, but I don't know if it does the, I don't think it has the um, inner mechanisms to give you the facial expression for that. My point is, my point is really the same studio did this, did Coraline, and I think Coraline looks way better. That is ultimately the point I'm getting to here. Wow. I think- and I well, think Coraline looks way better in the sense that it is way less smooth. That's what well. I also mean too. But.
2: I um I saw like this behind the scene video for Coraline and it was talking about just the little tiny scene where she is looking for the mice or something or her Mm -hmm. doll maybe and she turns her head over and looks underneath her bed and they talk about how many shots that took to get the hair to stand straight up when she was looking under the bed and going back upright again and how that just like took so much just to do all of that hair and I was like well that's pretty neat and it's just just like a little two second thing she's down then back up but yeah it's stuff like that that makes all the difference
1: yeah it looks it always looks so cool and yeah. then this is yeah. like to me it looks so and also i don't i i assume this is just like the tech they have but i think the mouth movements in this are too smooth too it's like when they talk i'm like dang you guys are just talking like your mouths are moving so much in this movie it's so weird to me I don't know. Maybe that's just maybe it's just me being like nitpicky. And maybe it's something where if I didn't know this, maybe I No, because I texted you, I was like, There's something up about this animation. This this looks very weird to me. So like, yeah.
0: That's just me. Mm.
1: I,
3: I don't I don't like I how this
0: looks so victoria's mouth didn't move enough for me well and yeah i'm I mean, she that, not saying more that, i'm not out. <laughs> right. i just remember a scene where i had that thought now you brought oh. it up and i was like she should
1: have had more lines i thought that's what you meant, meant oh yeah i could
0: have <laughs> said something really clever <laughs> no um you know what in i got us in the interest of getting to all our topics i wonder okay, if sorry. maybe yeah. we should no 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 it's all good i think we've talked about some good stuff but i wanted to ask bethany um, this is a film that you rewatch all the time. Does it, does it like contribute to your ideas of like an- animation or Tim Burton or film in general? How do you how do you relate this film to the wider world for you, or do you?
2: I um, honestly, I would say no. It's uh, like it's just one of those Halloween feeling movies for me that where I usually don't think about it unless it's around that season (laughs) Halloween season I guess but um no it it really doesn't make me think any differently because if I think stop motion I don't think Corpse Bride first I mean that's probably pretty far down on the list for me stop motion wise but uh, like the story isn't incredible (laughs) the
1: i feel bad i feel bad that we had you on for a movie you like and it was just me being like this sucked you know
2: (laughs) (laughs) good movie and i would say it's sort of a classic for me for like growing up watching tim burton films it is nostalgic probably more than it is anything else
1: that's fair like i think i think there's a lot of i like you know like as I said, this is, like, a blind spot to me. Like, nostalgically. Like, I, you know... That's what I mean, but you know what I mean? Like, not just Corpse Bride, but, like, this type of, like... For... Corpse Bride, Frankenweenie, James and the Giant Peach, Nightmare. These are all total blind spots for me for nostalgia. So it's like, huh. Yeah, I can see, like, why people like this growing up. But, like, if I'm not a child when I watch this, I don't really... And that's kind of why I also kind of refer to it as a kid's movie, really, too. It's like, I don't... This is like a good, it's kind of like Megan. It's a good entry level into this type of story. I, like, so, I just wanted to drop that. It's kind of like Megan. <laughs> Being well aware yeah. no one else here has seen Megan. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Megan the Dancing Doll? Yeah. I would take
1: a kid to Are see Megan. Are you a fan of Megan? I, I think I Megan think... would work as a great entry level horror movie for a kid. Like, not, uh, not like a little kid, but like a fifth grader or a sixth grader. I would take them to see Megan. and It's like a good entry level horror movie.
2: I get what you mean now. Okay. Yeah. And then, I, I think Corpse that. Bride's kind
1: of like that too. Even though it's not really a horror. It's like the the, the aesthetic is very much. Yeah.
2: Well, I think uh, back in the day and like I was young when it came out, obviously, but I think the way that they monetized off of like selling the merchandise and stuff like that. As a kid, you know, I didn't know, but I had all the stuff. I had buttons from A Corpse Bride, of the two little dead kids, the two little skeleton kids. I like
1: I them, buttons. those are good characters.
2: Yeah, but they say like two lines in the whole thing. Why I... did I have buttons of those kids instead of like the main characters, you know? So I, they I... really did a good job on monetizing off of it.
1: I don't have I don't have any detail on this, but I gotta assume at this point, the cult around Nightmare Before Christmas has popped up. This is 12 years after Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, so at this point, I think people are well regarding, and then like, you know, this movie comes out, it's like Tim Burdens, much like *Night Before Christmas is, and very aesthetically similar. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's, I mean, it's, it, it, it's got big stars in it. I'm sorry, the reason I'm kind of sermoning right now, it's like, it is really weird. Like, Frankenweenie was a bomb, (laughs) (laughs) because it's like, because it came out very soon after Coraline, I remember. Um, and Coraline, you know, even though it's not Burden has like people associated it with him and like frankenweenie got good reviews and corpse Bride, i imagined it i think it did pretty well for what it was for what the budget was and corpse Bride, as we said was a huge much like nightmare a huge merchandising thing but yet frankenweenie just kind of came in once it's kind of weird you know
2: yeah yeah because i i remember when it came out i i probably did not see it in theaters i want to say i didn't like actively go to s- watch it
1: yeah i i'm not frank and weenie kind of falls around corpse right and <laughs> for me it's like as i like, um i didn't see it either then but i did watch it a couple during the pandemic i mean a couple friends had a disney movie night where we just go through the disney plus group watch function and i'd be like for halloween i was like let's watch frank and Meenie. i've never seen it and yeah. Uh, and I watched it and I was like, well, I've seen it now, you know, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I, all right, all right, I've done it now, never again. Uh, but yeah, but mm. have you seen Frankenweenie? Did you say I'm sorry, did you say you've seen it or no?
2: Yeah, I, I've only seen it like once or twice, maybe. Mm.
1: That's fair. That's valid. <laughs> Mark, have you seen Frankenweenie?
0: No, I'm not a big Burton head. I'm I'm actually actually Edward Scissorhands is like my favorite and but it's like very far. I don't know. A lot of stuff just clicks with me in that movie. I like
1: um, I like, uh, like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. It's a good one.
0: Oh, uh, you hipster!
1: Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I mean, I think I like. I think I should rewatch Edward's. I think Edward Scissorhands would probably be above. And I, of course, obviously, I love Batman Returns like any sane person does. Danny DeVito as the Penguin. <laughs> the, the looks I'm getting are pretty priceless, guys. I've actually oh, well, no, never just-
2: seen it.
0: I've never seen it either. Ooh, you guys definitely
1: yeah. should watch it this Christmas. Because it's a Christmas mm. movie. You can watch it outside of Christmas, too. It is, um... Michelle Pfeiffer in it. Woo. Uh, and I don't usually say that about... I feel like I try to avoid objectifying women in, like, movies. And talking about movies. But also, like... It, 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 you, you gotta see that. Like, in that movie, but I'll make like, an yeah,
0: exception it. for this one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I that's, I mean, but... If you see that movie, it's really like, that is the movie. People will say Batman Mind is more a Joker movie than a Batman movie. But if you watch that movie, it's like, it will constantly forget, oh yeah, Batman's in this movie. Oh shit, I'm to Michael Keaton here. Alright, there's Batman. Let's go back to like the Penguin hanging out with Christopher Walken trying to run for mayor. <laughs> and Michelle Pfeiffer being in ridiculously skin tight clothing doing dumb cat puns, but also being ludicrously sexy. Um, Look, I'm just saying, that is literally her character in the movie, is sexy. I'm not being... I I, I swear I'm not being that problematic here. This is what the movie is. I swear, this is what the movie presents to you. (laughs) But Batman Returns is nuts. I can't believe Batman Returns was made. It really... It would never... People say movies would never be made today. Batman Returns would never be made today. He would be fired... A month in the shooting, Batman Returns. If he tried to make it today,
2: oh no! Well, now I gotta watch it I here. Mean, he
1: curious. was because, yeah, like, at the time of Batman Returns, Tim Burton was the biggest director alive. Right? He did Batman nineteen eighty nine. He did um, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, which was a cult hit. He did Beetlejuice. I feel like there's another one in there. I'm forgetting. Edward Scissorhands. All these. He's on top of the world with Batman Returns. The movie. <laughs> I don't remember if it falls apart. I think it has like the one of the biggest opening weekends ever, and it quickly falls apart because everyone is like, "We can't show this to children." This movie opens with like someone trying to eat a baby. It <laughs> opens like <laughs> someone someone like, by gets their nose bitten off by the bad guy. It's it's so the main bad guy in this Batman movie ends up being Christopher Walken playing an original character named Max Shrek. Um, it's very uh, it's very flawed but very. Fun, like it's something where you're constantly in awe that it got made. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then it, and it, it, like it did something so like after. I mean, it's the reason afterwards they were like, "All right, we're firing Caden, we're firing Burden, we're doing it a like, completely different direction." Even though know, this made money, um, we're, we're moving. We can't we can't keep making these because the children are screaming in the streets and we're not selling toys. <laughs>
3: <That's>
0: <laughs> Do we have anything more, We last thoughts on Corpse Bride before we wrap up the show?
1: I kind of said this already, so I'll just say it again very quickly, is I think the story of this is garbage. <laughs> and I think I think the fact that, to me, it's like you rush into this movie, you rush into a stop-motion movie like this, and you don't have a fully formed script, I, in a way, get more respect for Pixar and how their scripts are to type, but I also recognize that Pixar has the advantage of Working in a realm where they can keep revising the scripts as the movie go on, but that also said, I think a mediocre movie is mediocre forever. Ergo, I have more respect for. Um, sorry, sorry, Bethany. I, this is I'm just putting a blunt like a movie. A movie that's mediocre is never going to get fixed. Man, if it's or, not
0: me, it's you, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> every <laughs> um, every time we have someone on. <laughs> It's
1: true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you know like you, know what I'm saying is like I have so much respect for how Pixar deals their stories and how they constantly break them down and rebuild them and even if now we're in this thing I call like a messy tourist era for Pixar I still think their stories are more polished and even with the flaws that appear in them that the flaws feel more special than in this case where the flaws just feel like we're running head first into something. But what about you guys? Does this movie affect what you think of Pixar? I know this isn't a Pixar movie, but like, does that affect it at all? Does it, does it, I guess in a better way is for you, Bethany, because I know you're not really up on the Pixar thing as we are, we're watching everything, but like, does it like contribute to your conception of like animation or like, you know, like as an art form necessarily, or like where current animation is? I don't know. I'm curious.
2: Mm, No. It's
1: okay. You can say that. You're allowed to say that.
2: I really no. I don't think that it does. I mean, like at the time, maybe it they were really doing something, but I, it, I don't think that it compares to anything now. Really, I think that aesthetically, that movie all on its own was a great aesthetic having that grayscale, and then going into just scary colors and still having everything all muted and i think that that is where it really like took off having that aesthetic but i don't think that anything else was really like groundbreaking probably mm-hmm.
1: all right all right we're, we're past yeah. the point where i can argue so all right
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well I, yeah, I really feel that I especially related to what you mentioned earlier, Bethany, this aesthetic scratches some deep itch in me and <laughs> comparing it to all of the other Pixar films which are generally pretty saccharine, um, this is like even though it's a film that I think I could like take or leave, it shows me that even in that case it's like uh, I, I like need this this thing this like dark movie something like that so yeah i mean i mean maybe that maybe that puts me fundamentally in opposition to a lot of the mainline films that we're going to be watch be watching but uh, i don't know maybe that's I mean, the really next one cars simplistic.
1: so you're okay
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm opposed to cars cars is too sweet but actually now that i'm like talking through this i think that maybe that is not the case because something that i have enjoyed about pixar is that We've had real moments of darkness like the toys and toys. I mean, not the toys and toy story, but like the creations in toy story. And then there's like the end of Finding Nemo where everyone's about to die and stuff like that that I really appreciate in Pixar movies. And I am seeing Pixar movies as more of a well rounded meal than this, which is just like I need a shot of this right now. Yeah. So
1: it's a good comp. Good comp. A what? It's a good comparison. I was saying comp. It's oh. gonna happen someday. <laughs> so then they were gonna say it's a good comp for everything.
0: You're trying to make this happen. Yeah. Cop. <laughs> um alright. Well, I unless you have something else, or anyone has any other thoughts about the film. I we're now at the point of the episode where we like to give the film something. A lot of reviewers will Give films star ratings or number of ratings, but we like to actually give the film a physical object that we think is appropriate for the film. Um, I like it to be as unhinged as possible. I and mean, Danny will give ours first. Give you kind of a flavor. Danny's still will be very still clever. Like It'll relate something we said in the first five seconds of the episode. I just like to give it something evocative. So. Because this film is like, um, what I said, it's something that I really want sometimes, but it's really not a well-balanced meal. I think it would be appropriate to give this film, like, you know those, um, KFC released that sandwich, which was a sandwich (laughs) (laughs) between, like, two chicken patties. Oh! And and then it was, it, I don't know, maybe it was like lettuce or something, but it might have been another chicken patty. I think that this film is that to me. So I want to give it the KFC double chicken patty sandwich. Ah. I, that's That seems appropriate to me.
1: All right, all right. So I'm going to first talk about something that I actually had on my to talk about list that I didn't get to, but it will relate to what I'm giving.
2: Was it the Raven? The-
1: no, it was. I was telling you, Puss in Boots. Remember earlier, I was like, I had something to talk about with Puss in Boots in the, our main episode, and I didn't get to it. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go through this very quickly, and trust me, it will relate to what I'm giving Corpse Bride, which is that there's this bizarre new trend I've noticed where people are like, "Yo, check out the 4K HD version of this animated movie," and it'll be this motion smoothed, sixty frames per second version of something. And I saw this for Puss in Boots, and it pissed me off because Puss in Boots is like designed like Spider. I've seen it for Spider Verse too, but. Puss in Boots is designed like Spider-Verse to be animated at a lower frame rate to kind of give you like that poppy movement. That's so like, once you push up, you push any movement to 60 frames per second. It's probably not going to look great anyway, because that's not what it's designed to do. But in this case, it's like, dude, this looks so ugly. Like, oh my gosh, why would you do this to the Puss in Boots? And um, also says I'm going to be mean for once. This is going to be the first time ever I'm mean on this. Is I'm going to give this a colorized version of it in 4K... Ultra HD, as TikTok would say, where the entire thing is motion smooth to 16 frames per second. Because that's what I feel like it's aiming for anyway. And it gets me mad that it's aiming for that anyway. <laughs> so, this is the first time I've... I think this might be the first time I've ever given something mean. But I'm mad about this thing that I keep seeing on social media for every dang movie. I feel like Corpse Fire deserves to happen. And you know what? In a way, it's a compliment. Because I'm saying it deserves to be on, along the sides of Puss in Boots and Spider-Verse. Do I agree with this? Absolutely not. But you know what? It's happening. colorize Colorized. <laughs> 4K HD TikTok trend. Let's do it. Corpse pride.
2: <laughs> I would love to see that.
3: <laughs> Let's do it. You're I don't here for, like, know the what I give it.
2: I think... I think I'm still stuck on the fact that we never talk about how... Not we as in the three of us, but like we as in a society. We don't ever... S- talk about how the crows go from the living world to the dead world. And I, why? And we never talk about that. And it's just a thing that's overpassed and they don't explain why only the crows can do it. So I'm gonna give Corpse Bride a crow's queen and she gets to command them in the dead world and the living world. And then that is gonna make it make sense to me.
1: At the end of the movie, Hellu could you yeah. turn to crows?
2: Why not? That would make no sense. Yes. That's what we should do. Rewrite the ending. No butterflies. Butterflies are out. We hate those. Crows. Aesthetic. Crows
1: fit more with the aesthetic. They do.
2: They do. Stop. Stop.
0: All right. Well, this was delightful. Yeah. Um... How- sorry if are going
1: so hard on corpse Pride. I you were here for the ha- spiciest
0: really, Danny episode in recent. I really memory. don't
1: hate it that much. I'm gonna give it a 2 out of 5, which is the same thing I have at Nightmare at. I believe so. I don't hate it that much. I just think it's mediocre, and mediocre
0: movies get me mad. Um, but sorry, Mark, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna thank our guests for coming on here. <laughs> yeah, such a such a great time. Yeah, it was great to have Bethany on. It was fantastic.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love being here. Have me on again. Why not?
1: For sure. We, we, we gotta, gotta have get you, on you back Spider-verse on for two in 2027 20, yeah. whenever we get to know. Maybe before yeah. then. <laughs> before our Google then. Doc is like,
0: yeah, yeah. We have a Google Doc that I'm not an a Sheets Doc. That's like this is a three year project. So we're but like it's going to cost two like, to get two longer years as we go, advance. you
1: know, because there'll be more yeah. stuff coming out constantly yeah. as we keep
0: but talking. But we don't have to have people on years in the future. We can yeah. make it happen earlier to yes. come on for some, like, cheeseburger commercial or something. <laughs> um, you want to plug yourself? You got anything you want people to find you or you don't want people to find you or <laughs> um, anything?
2: I uh I really only have Instagram and TikTok and I usually just pretty much only do cosplay content on both, but luckily for all those listeners at home, my at is the same on both. It's Bethany Brown altogether, no spaces, just my name, do not steal my identity.
1: May- I would recommend you. Well, no, you know not yes. No, we don't need. I was gonna say spell your name, but your name's gonna be in the title of the episode, so it doesn't even matter. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it will be. So you don't. Need- you don't need to worry about that. I will say <laughs> you're more on point than we are because I think all of our handles are different. <laughs>
0: oh. Yeah, I was amazed. I was like, how did how do you get Bethany Brown on both platforms?
2: You want to know like- how? I got my Instagram back in 2012. I want to say. Mm. Wow, and I got made fun of in high school because it was just my name, and a teacher actually made fun of me, and they were like, "You're not very creative." When everybody was talking about their Instagram handles and stuff like this, and their uh, Twitter handles and stuff, and everyone's was like Rainbow Unicorn or like. Spicy Girls 96. And mine was just my name, first and last. And everyone was like, that's lame. But now I'm like, hmm, who's lame now? <laughs> Tiffany Barbie 87 at Yahoo.com or whatever.
1: You won in the end. You really, you really did win. You really
2: I was, won. I was in it for the long haul. I'm playing the long con on this one.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Danny, what are we Peace. doing next time?
1: All right. Next time on... The show Looking for the Ocean A Pixar Journey, starring Mark Young and Danny Vincent, comes an episode that is so dang important that I did not have it open, which is why I'm stalling for time as I look for it.
3: Oh, Uh, wow.
0: (laughs) Danny, I know what you mean. This next episode coming out, it's going to be amazing. And just when you told me about it the first time, my jaw dropped because I was amazed. But well, dude, actually, yeah,
1: next yeah. time is not going to be a relief fun one, but the one after it will be. So get excited for that. And by really fun, I honestly think that one two weeks from now, most of our listeners will be like, ah, I never want to use. But anyway, um, next time, though, um, Corpse Bride comes out in September 2005. So we're going to move on to 2006. And in 2006 is Cars. However, there's a film. A short film that plays in front of cars that actually releases, I believe, in November or December of oh five. We'll have this for you next week. I don't have it open right now. But the short film that plays in front of cars is called One Man Band. And that'll be what we're talking about next time is the Pixar Short One Man Band. So yeah. Get your your band together. We're getting the band back together. Dude, we're getting the band back together. Do 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 do, do. Dude, do the no, we can't have Phineas and Ferb, but uh, DCMAS. Um, but yeah, Bethany was yes. fantastic to have you on.
2: Oh, really yes. great time. And yeah. it was nice seeing you guys and catching up. Yeah, Very fun.
1: indeed. Yeah, I'm sorry I had to go so hard on the the corpse, corpse bride.
2: Okay, it opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that I probably just blanked over and did not even think about.
1: Uh, if I may, if I may encourage something, please. Please forget everything I've said by October. I don't want to ruin one of your yearly ha- Halloween movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, you've, got, you've got time. You've got nine months to forget everything I said. So please do. I'll
2: still watch it at Halloween. Yeah.
1: yeah <laughs> I don't want to ruin this tradition, even if I didn't like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. Our original artwork was done by Sarah Kanoff, and each episode is edited by me. If you'd like to be notified about new episodes, you can find us on
1: Facebook at Looking for the Ocean of Pixar Journey, on Twitter at Pixar Journey, on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and on our website. Looking for the oceanpixar.podbean.com.
0: If you want to know what I'm up to or find me on social media, you can head over to markyoungperformer.com. And if you'd
1: like to see all my takes on all the movies, you can find me on blankments If you'd like to hear me on another podcast, I also have The Snub Club, a podcast about film history.
3: We'll see you next time.
0: See you next time.